Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, want to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as the one and only czar of the virtual background, Omar Zini, known as Pro GK Academy. Omar, I've heard that you've got multiple backgrounds ready to go for today. Only for special guests, all right? Chris I was Sharp about is, to say, is, you better be, now if you don't do it for every guest, it's going to be. <laughs> no, no, no. People are going to stop the one of Mike. People are going to stop the one Whatever. At this point, you know, I've, I've already, I posted so much stuff about Chris on my on my page. They probably think he's paying me, but I just respect this guy so much. I post so much about him. So, hey, special guests, special things have to be done for special times, you know? All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking, of special, speaking of special times, we've got, of course, 99 World Cup winner, Saskia Weber, uh, who's been having quite the weekend. Uh, she's been ha- a lot of stuff going on uh, over there. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot of really exciting things. And what I'm, obviously what I'm talking about is UCLA soccer. Saskia, yes, <laughs> UCLA soccer. <laughs> You're talking about the new granddaughter. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, indeedy. And uh, and obviously uh, we're, we're happy to have you back. Happy Thanks. to have you back. Obviously, there was a. A lot going on, and uh, it was very difficult to go. Probably pretty difficult to do the podcast from the hospital. I would say, right? That would be a yeah. That would, yeah. <laughs> well, my I, my focus would not have been on you know <laughs> on Chris. <laughs> 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 which uh, which is the guest that we have guys today. Uh, Chris, honestly, I mean, I was going to say goalkeeper coach for the Colorado Rapids, but that doesn't you, do you justice. I really want to call you uh, Omar Zini's uh, mentor. That's really what I want to call you. because <laughs> From what I've heard, Omar will literally call you at like two in the morning or text you at like three in the morning with just a, like, he'll be like, oh, I just have an idea, just a slight adjustment to this session right here. And you're just like, man, I created a monster here. I don't know what, a, I didn't know what, what Pandora's <laughs> box I was opening. <laughs> yeah. We've had some good conversations at all hours of the day. That's for sure. Uh, and, I, and when Omar goes on his rants and you look down at your phone, <laughs> 15 missed text messages, you know, he's on. <laughs> Very true. I mean, I mean, I looked at my phone yesterday and there was like, what, there was like 25 missed text messages from Suskia and Omar between each other. And I was like, geez, Louise, like what, what am I missing out on right here? All I, I did was watch TV for like other. an hour. It was just a group text. <laughs> just a middleman. <laughs> I was just uh, on there. Um, Guys, before we get into today's topic, guys, which is going to be creating space off uh, off the ball in possession, um, Chris, for maybe some of the people who, who are out there who might kind of not be familiar um, with kind of your role with with the Rapids, which is not just being the goalkeeper coach. Obviously, you're obviously, you know, first assistant as well too. you're the goalkeeping director for the academy as well. And then obviously you have your own, you know, private academy. Um, why don't you kind of, you know, kind of run down a little bit about what you do there? Yeah, well, um, as you said, Mike, I, you know, my, my, my primary role is obviously with the first team, uh, the goalkeeper coach for the first team. Um, but, you know, prior to that and when I was still playing, um, I was the, or and, and still am, the uh, director of goalkeeping for the Development Academy as well. So U12 or U13 now all the way through to U19s. Um, I also am the director of goalkeeping for the Rapids Youth Soccer Club. Um, so I, I started that uh, job way back when I was playing back in 2008 and Obviously, it's just evolved. The club's gotten bigger and, and been more roles in there. So I've just, uh, you know, I, I like, look, you talk about all things goalkeeping. Anything to do with Colorado Rappers and goalkeeping, that's 
kind of my, my niche and, you know, uh, I love it. And fortunately enough, I've got a great staff of goalkeeper coaches around me at the youth club. Um, but then also too, you know, back in 2008, we created a, a core goalkeeper academy, um, which, you know, there was kind of a need for goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaching in the state of Colorado. Um, and, and we created that. And, you know, fortunate enough, again, yeah, I can't talk highly enough about the, the, the coaching staff I have around me for that as well. We've got coaches from all different clubs in Colorado and, you know, we just offer supplementary training programs for, for the kids, um, you know, year round. So it's just a place for them to come and hone their skills on goalkeeping only and, and not worry about the, the pressures of the environments uh, of club and high school football. Um, and really we've just, yeah, it's, it's taken off and it's been a very, very uh, uh, enjoyable venture for all of us involved so far. You know, you know, I, I I love what you just said right there. And, you know, honestly, you know, obviously, as you know, you know, Omar and myself, you know, we, we do a lot of private training as well uh, with, with kids from different clubs. And, and myself personally, you know, I, I don't I, I don't really have any desire to go back to the club environment and, and, and nothing, nothing against the youth club environment or whatever is. But but the amount of kids that I've been able to affect and Omar, I'm sure you can attest for this as well, too. Um, by being able to, to work with kids from different clubs, different backgrounds, uh, different levels of ability. Um, it, it really stretches you not just as a coach, um, but also just as, as like Omar, you were talking about being a mentor, you know, Chris Sharp being a mentor to you, you know, as a mentor to, to a lot of kids that you might not have be, ever been exposed to if you were just working at one club, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, it, it's, look, I love just teaching. It's a, it's a, I love teaching. I love learning. And I think Omar and I've had a million discussions about this, you know, uh, over the last few years, but for me, if, if we can affect young kids and I'm, I'm a big person, not only just on the football field, but off the football field as well. And, you know, part of the, the, the core program is, you know, we're, we're very big on mentoring kids away from the football field too. So what we, you know, designate in our time with them on the field, we're hoping that they can take away uh, off the football field as well and, and use that in their everyday life, you know, whether it's decision-making and, um, you know, just self-confidence and, and little snippets of, of, of what we bring on as a goalkeeper and goalkeeper coaches and mentors, trying to allow them to take that away in their everyday schooling life, job life, home life, friends life, um, which I think, like you just said, is a massive piece to, you know, having a small effect on, uh, you know, someone's pathway. Oh my God. I mean, absolutely. You know, and like, I mean, Omar, I mean, you know, we, we've talked, we've talked about this, you know, we, we've had this discussion because I think a, a lot of times, maybe when you were starting out your career, you know, you were thinking about just the football aspect with when you were working with these goalkeepers and, and you were seeing them kind of the way, and, and this is, this is not in like an, in a derogatory way, you were seeing them like, as in what you wanted out of, out of your goalkeeping career, as opposed to like what they want out of their goalkeeping career you know, and, and how much of, how much of kind of like, you know, just learning from coaches such as Chris or, or Saskia, you know, really affected you and how you approach these kids now with their off the field mentoring. No, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better than that. I think, uh, you know, watching Chris last year in his preseason here, just, you know, getting guys like Abraham. And I remember, you know, a young goalkeeper, uh, him stepping into the first team environment. I'm sure he did it a lot, but you know, when Chris brought him in and then I saw Chris leave the group and all the older guys came over and started, you know, helping Abraham with certain things. You know, I asked him in our podcast, Chris, I said, you know, are you creating um, a culture here or is that something that just kind of, you know, with the work that you guys do, it slowly builds itself. 
He said, no, I mean, yeah, it'll build itself if you really plant the seeds from the beginning and, you know, develop that foundation. And, you know, uh, we all know Big Joe, maybe Chris doesn't, but, you know, Joe Velasco, uh, he always pressures me too. He says, look, man, you know, when you come out to this field, a lot of these kids, you know, don't have the best relationships with their parents sometimes or their siblings, and this is their escape. And for you to ask them, hey, how are you doing? And really actually mean it, sincerely mean it. Those kids will come and work for you every single day of the week. And I think, again, you know, what Chris said and then what Joe said and kind of putting that all to perspective. Now I kind of realized, yeah, it's, it shouldn't just be a means to an end. Like if you are, then you're just like everybody else who does it for a means to an end and no disrespect to people that do good. I mean, you have to do what you got to do, but at the end of the day, if you're out there, it's got to be intentional. And, and as Chris always says, being deliberate of what you do and don't just step on the field and you'll know, put some balls and then do your work and then leave. It's actually taking the time away and having those conversations that hopefully will resonate with those kids. And then when they go to college, they'll be speaking about, yeah, Coach Chris, Coach Omar, Coach Sas, Coach Mike, they were really, really cared about me and it, it, it you know, meant the world to me. So I think that's really important. Yeah, you know, I mean, Sasuke, you brought up literally, I think it was, I think it might have been the Rob podcast, uh, Rob Vartugian from NYCFC. You brought up, hey, if you have time to, you know, watch film, you know, of, of professional goalkeepers at home to make yourself the best goalkeeper coach you can be or whatever, you have time to call these kids and ask them how they're doing and what's going on mm-hmm. in their lives. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, I think for Chris and I, for me, in co- with college, these kids, it's their first time away from their parents and away from home. And, and you know, that brings a whole nother, um, whole nother issue in its own. And so if you are just like clocking in and clocking out, you're never going to get that connection. You're never going to get the best you can from them. Um, like you have to take the time. You have to, you know they have to learn to grow up. You can't be like a surrogate parent the whole time, but at the same time, you, there's more to it than just um, doing your drills. You know, and, 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 um, and by the way, Chris, feel free to step in any, any time, but you know, one of the things with when we're, I was watching, you know, the sessions that you did with Omar and, you know, and honestly, thank you so much for, for taking the time with Omar last year and, and allowing him to, to film your sessions and, and to sit down with him for all that time and really break down what you guys were doing there. But, but what I saw with, you know, that young Abraham, you know, to be, to, to be a teenager in that environment, that can be terrifying, man. That can be terrifying to a kid like that. You know, when he's seen, he sees these guys on TV and now he's training with them right then, then and day, day in and day out. And if for you to be able to develop that type of culture there, where those, those older guys are not only looking after him, but he also knows that that he can, he can ask them questions. He can ask you questions or whatever. And it's a, I don't want to use, I mean, it sounds, it sounds cheesy, a safe space, but it is a safe space. It's a safe space for him to learn and to make mistakes and, and to keep growing as a goalkeeper. Yeah. I think, look, the safe space is massive. I think for any young goalkeeper coming or any young player coming mm-hmm. to a first team environment, um, you know, if they feel safe and comfortable, um, not in the sense of, of like everything's easy, but if they feel comfortable enough to ask questions, uh, turn to, you know, someone like Clint or someone like Will um, and, you know, ask them what they thought, what they're thinking, um, which Abraham is. Now, look, another side of it too is my, there's a whole different other side of it too, that Abraham is where he is because he has that self-belief. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He, 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 he's not really wavering in his own self-belief where do I really belong here? You know, um, you know, I think that that's a, a system that, that we've really done well at, at the Rapids, which is bringing and bleeding our young players into that first team, whether they're goalkeepers or not. Um, you know, I just mentioned to you before we started this about the young boy potentially coming in preseason with us. I mean, he was in last year, um, young new 19 goalkeeper being the national team. He, he's not short of self-confidence either, you know, but those areas that we try and embody them in as young players, 
um, where, you know, I want them to lead the group. I want the older boys and more senior boys in the academy to lead the groups. You know, the 15s through 19s training together, the 12s through 14s training together. I expect the senior boy to be the leader in that group and, and feel like he's been in that spot before where he's asked the questions, you know. So when he now becomes the, you know, the little fish in the big pond when he jumps up to the first team, he feels like he did three or four years ago. Oh, I know this situation just in a bit of a different environment, but I still feel like I can ask those questions or feel comfortable enough to be uh, mentored by these guys around. And look, to be honest with you too, it's part of the people, you know, the personnel we have in the first team, you know, we, we, we're building a club based on culture. Our first team's based on culture. Um, and, you know, my goalkeepers, I, I can't ask for any more. When it comes to stuff like that, they're, they're very much team guys. They're very much uh, bought into the culture that Omar just mentioned about what we're trying to build as a club, um, especially for the goalkeepers. And, they're very, very good with the young guys, which is which is always lovely to see. Mike. Yeah, go ahead, Omar. Chris, I just want to ask you a question. I know, I mean, for me, one of my biggest downfalls, I'm working on it, but it's that impatience. You know, sometimes I'll get the Hold older on, Omar, group. this this counts as a question to Chris today, by the way, on oh, you know, outside, <laughs> outside of the podcast. No, no, I haven't, hit, I haven't hit my quota for the month yet. A new month just rolled <laughs> yeah, around and uh, everything reset. Uh, no, but Chris, I mean, you know, you you coach from the highest of high like levels, the, the first team, and then after that, you know, the academy, and then you have core goalkeeping as well, who you have young kids uh, down to 10 years old, maybe even younger. How have you been able to like temper those expectations? I mean, I'm sure it's hard when you get the, the first team guys, they do everything right. And then you get the younger ones in the academy. And again, they have so many things involved uh, with, you know, they're going through puberty. They, you know, had at school today and whatever the case may be. So how are you able to kind of, is it just kind of meshing with the, the personalities or do you set the tone from the beginning or do you see how they, how they react on the day, how they're feeling? How do you kind of temper your expectations and kind of, uh, you know, mold the goalkeepers on a day-to-day basis? Right. I, I think for me, and I think we've discussed this before too. For me with the academy, away from the core goalkeeping stuff, for me for the academy, it's treating my U12s the same way as I would treat Tim Howard, Will Yarbrough, Clint Irwin. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I mentioned before, I have an expectation for our 12-year-olds that is the same for the first team guys. You know, I, I want to communicate with those guys daily. You know, I, I put a, you know, a thing in a place at the beginning of every season where I don't really want to communicate with the parents. I want to communicate with you guys. If you're sick, if you're injured, if you're ill, if you've got homework, if you've got assignments and just kind of build myself through that as a coach, they have expectations that I expect of them and, and I hold them to that. Um, you know, and I think from, from there you start to mold yourself in as a coach in different areas of their development, you know, and obviously we're still developing the first team just because they're in the first team doesn't mean they're not developing or they're stopped developing, you know, and, you know, Tim Howard's a great example of that. I got him at 36 years old. We sat down. I thought there were things we could continue to, to move in his game. And we did. And he was unbelievable with it. Um, but if T, T Howard can do that, you know, my expectation all the way down is that everybody can find a way. And it's great for me too, because I'm learning. Tim taught things about me um, that I never thought before, you know, and, and as has Clint, as has Will. So, you know, I think finding your expectation is not just on the football field. I think it's what we set them off the football field, how we want them to interact with themselves as goalkeepers and each other and their teammates and their coaches. Um, and you kind of build yourself on that. Now, the, the core the core goalkeeping stuff is it is more interpersonal relationships um, as far as knowing different kids because you've got a whole different kind of uh, a temperament in there. They're coming from different areas. And like Mike said, you know, you've got kids that don't have great relationships with their parents, you know, may be struggling in school. Um, you know, they may have, you know, separation from, you know, grandma might be over there. We have COVID, we have kids that are, haven't seen each other for a long time in the last 12 months. Um, so I think it's just, you know, that's why I go back to my staff. It's having good people around us that can 
mesh those moments together to make sure the kids are getting the most out of the sessions themselves. But I think for the, for the rapid side of it, building a culture starts from the first team down and the expectations are laid out to everybody that they are the same. My 12-year-old goalkeeper is getting treated the same way as my first-team goalkeeper. And those expectations are the same all, all the way through. So then they can, you know, I have then a, a nice platform to build from. Yeah. You know, I, I want to, before we kind of move on to the topic, Saskia, I just kind of want to ask you real quickly, because obviously you're in a very high level, the highest level college environment. Um, how important is it, like, you know, what, what, what Sharpie's obviously talking about in regards to, you know, that relationship of the olders, you know, helping out with the, helping out with the youngers and everything like that. Obviously it's a little different dynamic in college, you know, they're a little bit closer in age, but those juniors and seniors, like they, they, if, if, it's the UCLA culture for them to be helping those freshmen Absolutely. because, because the thing is, is that there, there's, there's no worry. You, if you're going to UCLA, like you're going to get, you'll get your, if you keep putting in the work and you're going to, your time will come, you know, you get the best of the best to come in, into that program. Your time will come. So it's up to them to prepare them for that next step because they're getting ready to try to play at the professional level. Yeah, I mean, just watching like Lauren right now, the way she um, works with the younger goalkeepers, um, knowing that she sat behind Tegan um, and put her time in and learned from Tegan and now stepping into that leadership role within our core, within our union, um, that is the culture and that is what you want to see. And and, and the good thing is, is, you know, these if the young goalkeepers come in, they know they're going to sit <laughs> like, you know, um, I hope, I hope my recruits aren't watching right now. Um, <laughs> but they know they, you know, whether, it, whether it's some people red shirt, whether, whatever it is, but it, it's kind of learn. It, you have to learn, you have to have that transition, but if you don't have a keeper, an older keeper that is a mentor and takes on that role, then you're going to run into a problem. Like if you have, if you, if you have the, the type of environment where they don't care, all they care about is themselves and making themselves better. Um, that's just going to filter down. And that is unacceptable to me, period. You can go sit on the bench and I'll start a freshman. Um, you know, that's part of your growth. That's part of being a natural leader on the field in the position that we're in as goalkeepers. Um, and watching Lauren take that over is awesome. It's awesome. And watching the young, the players that we bring in, we, we pick our players specifically so they can handle that, so they can handle somebody that's not that many years older than them helping mentor them and know that one day, like you said, that's going to be them. So, yeah. so yeah. Mike, I got a question for Sass. Sass, when you, yeah. when you guys are recruiting the goalkeepers, what are your, and obviously it's a little bit different, obviously in college and, you know, to, to going out and recruiting kids, especially at the moment, but what are you guys like specifically looking for when you're looking for culture as far as what the goalkeeper is going to bring to the program so you guys can excel in that? Technically, I can't answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, how do I answer that without not answering it? Um, well, you're, just because you're the best player, just because you're the best goalkeeper in the country, doesn't mean you're going to UCLA. Right, right, I'm sorry, right. it doesn't. And Amanda and I come and came from a culture with the U.S. team that you know it wasn't the best. It wasn't the individual best players on the field. It was the best team, yeah. and um, and that's a fact. And, and so we, I, we look for players that fit into this environment that fit into, it's a family, you know, you don't come in here, like, don't come going, well, I want to come to a school where I know I'm going to start, <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? Like, um, because it's all, then it's all about you. 
And it, you know, you got to come and you got to realize that this this is a place where you're going to work your ass off, and you you have to connect off the field as well as on the field mm -hmm. with the players. Um, and realize you're going to have to you know bide your time and learn because it's it's a shock. You're going from club. And yeah, and listen, no knock on other schools and stuff like that, but you are coming to the best team in the country. So you're going from club to the number one team in the country. Sorry. Mm -hmm. and, and anybody can argue with me right now. I know we're ranked three, but that whatever. Um, but, but, um, but, and no freshman's going to be legitimately prepared for that yeah. and prepared for the speed and the change of play and, and, and everything. So we look for, you know, those well-rounded kids academically, mm -hmm. um, personally, everything, mm -hmm. socially, the whole nine yards. Interesting. Interesting to me. Recruit, I, I, I'm, I, I'm. We've turned, we've turned away recruits. Like yeah. I have, I, like yeah. I, we've, we've not, we've had discussions and then had a discussion amongst ourselves saying, just not the mentality, not right. the mentality that's going to fit here. I don't care how good you are. I find it very, <laughs> I find the recruitment side of football very interesting. Yeah. And, and, and some coaches will say, Oh, she's number one. That's it. I want her. Boom. You know, and yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's not just culture, isn't it? Style the play, the way you guys want to play, if they fit in, if they don't fit in, you know, mm -hmm. you can tell, I mean, for me personally, in the first five, 10 minutes of watching someone, you, you know, whether they're going to be on your radar or not. Oh, away. absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Omar. Just want, then, just want to add on to that. Ahead. I think, yeah. yeah, we'll jump into the topic after. I think again, to, to Chris and to us part, I think it's, uh, a question that a lot of kids never ask and they should is like, how do I get recruited to a division one school or to a top school? And it's like, okay, if you're good enough or, you know, you, you're on their radar, you should also be very like picky about who the goalkeeper coach is. Like, I don't think enough kids do their research on that because like, like we've been saying, the goalkeeper coach more often than not is the person you're going to be spending the most time with. And you're going to be spending a lot of uh, those growing pains with. I know my goalkeeper coach at, uh, at UC Davis <laughs> had to guide me through almost failing out and he's like, this is not soccer related, but I got to put my arm around this kid or else we get, we lose him. So just those kind of conversations. And then at the same time, too, what kind of training do they have? Do they have training that's going to stimulate you throughout the whole season? Are they going to take care of you in the offseason? Are they going to actually put a program together to develop you? And like Chris said, it's like those constant conversations where you're developing the culture, not just of, you know, hey, we did a great job this year. Rest on your laurels. Go vacation. We'll see you in a few months. Yeah. It's more like, no, here's the program that we got to, you know, continue with. Come in shape. Because if you don't, as you know, this program, everyone, like Abraham, for example, I mean, that kid has, has a fight. He's a, he's a dog in him, man. And I know for a fact, his older guys are like, yeah, you know, he is younger but this kid could potentially come in right. here right. and if we take you know to, you know take our foot off the gas so i think that's a, that's a big question as well for these young kids in the recruitment process is find out who the goalkeeper coach is find out as well as we're looking for those personality <laughs> traits from you find out if the personality traits of the goalkeeper coach are aligned with how you want to be coached and it's tough because you don't have that mental awareness i didn't at least um, at that young of an age but maybe your parents or anybody who's listening to this who can kind of guide those younger goalkeepers i think that's a massive massive point that we uh, often overlook I think for, for me, like, no matter where I was, but for me, like, are, are you going to, are you going to clock in and clock out and that's it? Or are you going to put the extra work in when I'm not around, when you're not on the field with me and stuff like that. And when I see young kids um, and I'm looking at somebody that's on, on the podcast right now watching, 
is a good example. When I see when I see players um, put in that extra work and take it seriously, and and whether it's going out to the park and hitting long balls, or you know finding a goalkeeper coach, or like doing privates, or finding another sport to play, or just finding other ways to hone your skills as a goalkeeper when you're not in front of the team, when you're not around, that that says a lot to me. That like commitment. You know, absolutely. Don't always expect me to get you ready. Right. Yeah. Don't don't be don't be having us ask you if you want extra work. Exactly. Come to us and say, I need this. I want this. Look at your backgrounds, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And you know, Lauren's a great example of that because her distribution. I wasn't here when she first came in, but I know her distribution wasn't very good, and now her distribution is ridiculous, and that is from has nothing to do with like Jenny staying on the field with her when Jenny was a coach doing kicks and no, that was her, her knowing us telling you, you got to get better at this and her finding a way. And you know, yeah, Yeah. I remember we, we, uh, like four years ago, um, we had a goalkeeper, Zach McMaster, who's now at Salt Lake and his feet are fantastic. Got phenomenal feet. Part of the reason why we brought him in. Um, I remember him, he was in Maryland, wasn't there for very long, but he used to tell me that he would go out the back of the school against the wall, take a bag of balls and just clip left-footed balls hours on end. And it showed when he got to the -hmm. the pro level, it showed he's both his feet were as good as each other, you know? Um, And what you just talk about there, little little things that stick in my mind where, okay, now you're at the the professional level, it shows because what you did back then actually makes a massive difference. Absolutely. You're getting moved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking, speaking of all this guys, I mean, honestly, Sharpie, this was a, this was a great transition right there when you started going with the feet right there. And also, you know, a lot of people might be saying like, all oh, all this talk about, you know, culture and mentorship and all that stuff. What, how's that have had anything to do with creating space off the ball? Um, a lot, because the thing is, is that the only way to be able to understand how to move off the ball is dependent on understanding the system of play that you play, having a connection with your players, being able to communicate, uh, having foot skills. So it all, it all kind of blends together. And, um, Sharpie, kind of as we kind of go into this topic right now, which I think is really important, and I think more young goalkeeper goalkeepers need to really learn learn about. What do we kind of mean by creating space off the ball when we're in possession? I think, well, as you and I were talking about earlier today. I think it's a massive, yeah. it's a massive topic. You, you can pull it apart, or you can, you know, kind of talk in general terms. But for me, you know, you mentioned their style of play. Um, I think for, for every young goalkeeper, they're in a team that, that has a different style of play. Uh, I think first and foremost, it's understanding the way that the team wants to play. Um, it's understanding about how you can help the group be basically the 11th player, you know. Um, understand how maybe, you know, Saskia and myself, we, we've got the opportunity to, to re, re, you know, review film of the team that we're going to be playing against, how they may press how we can have an advantage of being numbers up at the back there, whether it's us, the two center backs, the six, the outside backs. Um, so I think the creating space is, is a very big topic, but it is for me, it is the ability for us to A, be the 11th player, B, understand what our relationship is to the players around us in the buildup. Um, you know, even in, in open play as well, uh, you know, balls get clipped over the top, back four are facing you, um, you regain possession, you know, regain possession and transition, um, you know, depth, height, you know, the the, the, uh, the the east and west movements of, of the goalkeeper that allow us as goalkeepers to help the next ball be successful for the player to give them the best opportunity to play the ball on with. I, I think a lot of the times, you know, young goalkeepers think, oh, I've got the ball, I'm just going to get rid of it, and that's it, I'm, I'm yeah. good with it. But for me, it is allowing, assessing, scanning the field and allowing the player that you're giving the ball to, 
the best opportunity to have the most amount of time on the ball to give the next pass that you're looking at, or you seeing something that allows you to go through them to the next person. Um, but it, look, again, massive topic, broad topic. Um, but for me, that's what I, what I do when I'm building my sessions. Uh, and Robbie used it great last week in, in his in his uh, little time on here, that creating the space in the shape that we want to build out from, in the shape that we want to you know use when we regain possession in transition um, to allow us to use the goalkeeper in the best way possible, whether it's to break lines, keep possession, try and start a counterattack, whatever that might look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think if we go back to even like the recruiting aspect or anything like, you know, or just seeing players play, like there's a, there's a huge difference between, you know, getting the ball at your feet and just hitting it, <laughs> like you know, and you see video and you see things of kids and, and in, in whether it's the coach's mentality or whatever saying, Oh, great. You know, great. I'm like, what was the purpose behind that? Like sometimes, yeah, sometimes put it in the upper rafters or just send it long if that if, if if it calls for it. But if that's all you're doing, that's not that's not being that eleventh player. That's that's not working within your system. That's not understanding that you know the eight might be open in because of the system that the team's playing against you and being able to recognize that or like slowing the game down, you know, taking the space like and and having the confidence with your feet to be like I've always said, you're the first pass on attack. You know, so how are you going to implement that path so, you know, we can go? And and if you're just, like, kicking the ball really far and just, like like you said, just, all right, now you guys deal with it. You'll figure it out. Like, yeah. you know, that's not having that soccer knowledge and that 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 intelligence. Yeah. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, I think – yeah, no, I think, um, Chris, you know, on, on one of our Q&As during the COVID time, I think we are talking about, like, what do you look for when you're breaking down film or when you're watching somebody's film? And I think one point that you made was, you know, I want to see that IQ. I want to see what you do when that ball comes to you. Are you shifting everybody to the right so you can play to the left? And little things like that. Are you pushing, you know, are you playing it short so you can suck the, uh, the right defender or the right, the right striker stepping forward and you can dip that ball over the top to uh, your left mid? So questions like that were, to me, I was like, damn, I, I feel like when I watch that film, not enough kids showcase that. So, I mean, how important for, for everyone, I guess, on the panel, do you guys think that is, though? Do you think that's something that, you know, just comes out naturally and you have to kind of see it in person or is that something you can actually show in the film? I think you can absolutely show it on the film, but I also think, you know, that's got to be part of your team training as well. Like you, you yeah, know, 100%, this, is, yeah. this isn't, this is something that like knowing who we're playing against, whether it's, you know, the, the reserve team, um, you know, is in their system and where those openings are and, and what we can utilize and mimicking, mi mimicking the other team. So that you understand where their, their, um, the zones are that you can you can put the ball into what's going to be free all the time what to look you know um those are things that you can show on film which we do but then we also train it yep. you train it like <laughs> yeah but but I, I will say one thing right here you know and sharpie i don't i don't know how, how you feel about this as well too or, or omar saskia but like personally i think one of the biggest issues is that at the youth level you know at the youth level a lot of times the reason goalkeepers don't know how to move off the ball is because they are not incorporated into activities properly in their team sessions. God, no, by the time they get into their team sessions, they're doing shooting. Exactly. 
There's no build. There's no possession play. They don't incorporate them. And, and, and the, and the coach doesn't work with, and if you're a young coach out there and you're not a goalkeeper coach or whatever, and you say, well, I don't, I don't understand that position. Well, you understand football. You understand soccer. Teach your goalkeeper how to move as if they're a field player, as if they're an outfield player in possession. Cause that's really what we're talking about here, you know, and don't have your goalkeeper moving laterally. Cause I think that's one of the biggest issues is I see so many goalkeepers. It's just lateral movement, lateral movement, lateral movement. And that's not realistic. My funny thing, my keepers hate it though. They hate it because like I'll have three of them and we'll be training and I have to send somebody like, like have to send Lauren over to do that work, like to do the 11th man work and to work on, you know, building out of the back and stuff like that. Meanwhile, we're like, I have the other ones training and, you know, they're just biting at the bit because they want to train, but not that's really important. guys, what are you yeah. doing? 90% of yeah. what are you doing? 90% yeah. of the yeah. game. I'm like, if no. you're saving a ball that we're doing here, 90% of the game, we right. have a huge problem. 90% of the game. You are that 11th man. You are the one using your feet. You are the one, you know, with the distribution playing, um, right. moving off the ball. So yeah. you have to do it. It's not just going to happen. I think for us as coaches, as goalkeeper coaches too, when we're doing that, you know, we all know that when we're doing it in our specific environment, it's very hard to sometimes emulate because you don't have pressure. You don't have people in places that maybe you're seeing on the weekend. Um, you know, so something I've kind of honed in on the last three or four years is every time we do you know, what I call the goalkeeper's passing patterns, you know, which is always in the framework of what we're trying to do in our build-up as, as a group, as a team, uh, is moving the ball with purpose. And your movements are for, for a reason. Um, you know, if you're going, like, let's say this morning, great, great example. This morning, we finished our session with, with just two passing patterns, uh, first day of preseason. The boys went out of the right center back, back into them, uh, out of the six, back into them, and then out of the opposite six. And it was quite simple, but it was just, I'm asking them for movement, for purposeful movement of the ball, to get their touches right and for them to be scanning as they're yeah. moving, not receiving from the center back, then looking up, then playing the six, then receiving from the six, then looking up, then playing the opposite six. They're actually scanning on what's what they're doing. So maybe that that picture changes their, their movement over the six, seven yards from right center back to the, the six who's pulled into the left pocket. As they're scanning the field, they might be thinking, oh, I'm going to go the opposite six, but that picture might change. Now they're going into the mm-hmm. pocket for the eight. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it just for me, now, in our in our time that we can spend on you know uh, the, the the passing patterns, you know, and obviously trying to incorporate some sort of a distribution in everything we do now, um, but just the, the the purposeful movement of the ball, like Omar suggested, I'm shifting the ball to the right center back because I want their group to go three or four yards. So when I get it back, now right. I'm looking to the left the left side fullback. You know what I mean? And it's just those moments to get them thinking, okay, I'm doing this not just to give him the ball to see what he does with it. But I'm doing this because I see a, a 2v1 on the outside with the wide player. I see, you know, if they shift to the right six or seven yards just by me playing the ball three or four yards, then we're going out this side, you know. And that's, I think, like Sash said, sometimes for them, those guys going in and doing it for the team, it's massive for them just to understand relationships yeah. and depth and, and space and movement and just those, those things that make massive difference. Yeah, no, 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 and sure. I, told, I, love, I love what you said about, like, maybe there is a 2v1. Like, like I said, it's got it's purposeful. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, where are you sending this ball? You know, how can this ball all of a sudden put us penetrating into their defensive third and into or into our attacking third? Like, you know, quick transition with a purpose. And it's not robotic in a sense. Oh, I got the ball from here and I'm just going to touch and go there because that's what I'm supposed to be. That might not be the answer either. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you do. You might have to go up the center. You might have to go to the nine, you know, because that's the best pass. But 
you have to take that snapshot. You have to see what's going on in front of you. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I, I know Omar, I, I don't know how you feel about this. You know, I think, I think we might've had this discussion before in the past, but personally, I think one of the, one big issue is that a lot of times is that goalkeepers, they don't understand how their team moves. They're never taught how their team moves. And because of that, they don't know how to move with their team. So let's say Sharpie, you're talking about like your, your, your trade, let's say, say you're a, a youth coach and you're training goalkeepers and, and you're incorporating all of the, all those patterns in your training <clears throat> session. Then they go off to their team, but there's never, there's not a, there's not a, there's not a, a, a synchronicity be- right. between the two. They're playing a completely different, different way. And it's a different system than how you're training with the goalkeepers that you have. And again, that's what one of the difficulties of us as, as private coaches simulating that realistic environment because we have a hodgepodge of goalkeepers from, from different environments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Omar, is that, is that a situation that you've, you've, you've dealt with a lot? Uh, yeah, I think, and you can never really, you know, get it perfectly. It's kind of, uh, we always talk about how young kids, they take everything you say as a coach as, as fact. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very literal. And then when they step into the game, it's like, well, that didn't happen the way that it was supposed to happen. Right. So I think it's a, it's gotta be a mix of the the two where, you know, you give them the opportunity to, to see different, uh, passing patterns and to, you know, play different balls. They know exactly what to do. Like Chris said, when you scan and you're, you're finding uh, an opportunity to, okay, the six is off. Okay. Number the, the eight was on the last time I checked, let me clip that ball into there. Okay. He's off. Let me go to the, to the right back. So I think the opportunity to work on the technical aspect of it is one thing, but also too, we got it. We got to put some onus on the kids and ownership on the kids as well too. like, I watch games all the time and I see Pickford, for example, you know, he doesn't find these great passes short. He goes long every single time to Calvert-Lewin, and then that's how the team is set up. So if I if I had Pickford in one session versus uh, Mendy or uh, Ederson, I'm pretty sure if I'd like they to watch s- that session. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> but, but that's what it is, though. It's like you look at it, Man. for example, like I said. Omar, did they be DM no, but- you for a private session? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Hey, that would be, I would be pretty sick. He's doing all right, huh, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think, again, to to, to that point, though, it's like you see someone like Pickford who has great feet, but he's not always going to showcase it to us because what's best for his team is to play that ball long and then win the knockdown. And they actually beat Southampton today 1-0 because of that. So I think that's, that's a big thing as well. When you get that hodgepodge of kids who all have different systems of play, I think what you're introducing to them, they should be able to understand, this is what I should take from this session, filter in and out what my team does, and then from there, I'll be able to apply it. But again, like I said, I don't, I don't know if a lot of kids are like addicted to goalkeeping like all of us are, who they'll, they'll, they'll run into sessions and go, okay, well, my team doesn't do this, but they also they, they do a little bit of this. So let me ask Coach Omar if I can get more reps on this. And I think, again, that has to come from the ownership of the kids for their ownership of their own development, I feel. I think one of the other big things for coaches out there and stuff like that is you've got to do this like game speed. Like, you know, like even today we were working on, um, we started with, um, with distribution, with foot footwork as part of their warmup. And I, I got on my other keepers cause they were not pinging the ball back like hard. I'm like, no, this has to be guys can't, can't right. roll in some fluff ball right. right now because, because technically we didn't have pressure. It was more movement based and finding the space and, um, getting yourself in the right position and then transition and then change the point. But I was like, but this has to be like a back pass with imp- with purpose, purpose, <laughs> as well as your your outlet has to be with purpose. Like it can't be like underwater. It can't because 
it's not realistic. And, and it, you know, you have to try to come as close to game speed and game pressure that you can in those situations else, you know, here you're hitting all these little back passes and they're touching it and they're kicking it and then they get in the game and then it's like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know? yeah. right. And I, I think too, Sus, on that point, and I'm always on the guys about this. So for today, goalkeeper starts with a goal kick, plays it out to right center back. The right center back is actually one of the goalkeepers. Right. The six is actually one of the goalkeepers. So I'm asking those guys to touch play like it, it, they're in real time too. You know right. what I mean? No, I'm exactly. Take a touch, take a couple steps, whip it back in. They're getting extra reps on their quick feet as well. You know, and great example this morning. This guy, this is just leads into the best <laughs> thing ever. Ball goes in. We did a little, little one just clipping it out to the left and, and right uh, outside back. But ball goes in. I think it was Will. In the wheel, out to the short player, sets him, and he clips it out to Abe. And Abe's, I don't know, 35, 40 yards away from him. And the ball's coming at Abe's chest, and Abe catches it. And I went, just bring it down. Work on your work on your first touch as well. I know you can catch a ball, but just work on your first touch. Body shape, bring it down, nice and in control. Leave the ball there. You're about to get 24 reps of ball, people knocking balls in at you. Just bring the ball down, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's just little moments like that that you can work on something else in your game Absolutely. as well. Even when you just love to, to be a target, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's huge. You know, those moments are huge. Yeah, and and also too, I think uh, when it comes to distribution, like I guess you know you have to create space to find the ball. But the final action, sometimes I think a lot of people, yes, you should train it, like Sa said, uh, at game speed. But I see a lot of times too, even when this like the side volley became so big, I started seeing people go, "Oh, it has to be on a laser. It has to be on a perfect dime." I'm like, "No, but did you see Kendall McIntosh? I think it was like 2017 World Cup, Youth World Cup. He was he was hitting balls in behind into the perfect space. It wasn't a driven ball. He was just clipping it over the top, and it caused so much danger for the uh, opposing mm-hmm. defenders. So again, it's like not so much about the aesthetic, but it's like, okay, you created the space. Now the technical aspect of it, just get the job done with the pass. <coughs> and I feel like again that." is another conversation in its own in its own right. But I think a lot of people look at the aesthetic, which is actually, in my opinion, does a disservice to the actual service. Just be effective with it. Oh, yeah. we got we got a clip. We got a clip. We got a clip. Speaking of Abe, we're gonna we're gonna show a little bit of Abe right here. Uh this is uh from from uh from Colorado Springs. Uh essentially Sharpie, I you you probably will know this clip better than me, but this is a great example right here basically of what happens is uh I think uh center back plays the ball back to Abe, creates spates Boom, right there. Now, I want to break it down very much from the very beginning. Basically, what happens here is there's chase on him from the top of the box, top of the 18. Omar, let me know if I'm doing okay. Top of the box right out here. So Abraham recognizes instead of staying high that he needs to drop and he needs to create depth. He needs to create depth to allow himself time to, to create space, to manipulate, because the second he plays that ball back, there's going to be immediate chase on him as that angled run is coming towards him. He recognizes that by creating that space deep. And as the player comes in, he now he has the space to escape, chase, and then play a nice clean ball through right there. Omar, how'd I do? Sharpie, how'd I do? You're great. <laughs> you know what? This, this is a good clip, Mike. And, and this is something actually, it goes back onto what I was talking. I, I had a session last week with my DA boys um, leading to their first game of the weekend. And we did a lot of distribution uh, early in, in each session. But we were talking about stuff like this. And I love this clip for two reasons. Number one, obviously what you've just said, he creates himself some depth, creates himself a little bit more time for the guy to flow onto him, which he does. But I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Is it best, if you can rewind it back to when the, the center back turns to face Abe, is sure. it best here for Abraham to peel out to his right? And I'm going to ask you, Omar, I'm going to ask you this question. So let it roll. Okay. I love that everybody tests Omar. 
Stop there. Hold there. Hold there. Hold there. Okay. 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 Would it be better for Abe to open up towards the right post or his right hand side to give himself a little bit more time, or to do exactly what he did? Uh, in my opinion, I think this is one of those balls that maybe you take an outside of the foot just to kind of like curl it away from you a little bit more. So now the defender or the striker has to take more of a delayed approach. In my opinion, I think he kind of played it in a position where the striker didn't have to take too much of a detour. He went straight at him. Right. But I think what Chris's question is, is should he have opened up space more? Oh, God, I got it. To the he how he comes, he comes yes. and towards the, yeah. as opposed to staying see how he's coming this way yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. i think yeah. To, yeah yeah no and i just think right there too yeah a little bit further I th- i'm sure he he's done this before but yeah probably like outside the post just to give himself the security of that ball not popping over because we know that little goalie area goalkeeper area right there is always always uh not great <laughs> let me, let me, sorry, i also my- think the ball but i think i'm kind of interested because if you look at his position there he's he's got himself more time but i think the ball actually brought him over hundred percent. I agree, Sass. The back pass actually brought him yeah. into a but bad let me, position. Let me throw this in. And I was going through this last week with my young development goalkeepers <laughs> at will. If you roll it back to when he turns, Mike. Okay. So I freeze there. That's perfect. Okay. What happens for whatever reason right now, the center back slips, the ball gets under hit. The guy pinches the ball from his feet. Is Abe now in the best position to protect his goal first? Before he opens up to create himself some more space, yeah. And this is this yeah. is this is what yeah. we were battling like with last week. If the boy turns and has ten yards of space, it's a different story, I think. Mm-hmm. But if the lad is what three <clears throat> yards from him, give or take, if he's tight to him, I think Abraham's movement has to be central. Yes, because he has to protect his goal first with the guy that tight. And it, it was a conversation. It's a great clip. There's a conversation at Spurn with a bunch of my coaches last week. Because I feel that Abraham did the right thing in this moment. And, and what we were doing last week was protect your goal first. In the transition moment um, or under pressure, protect your goal yeah. first. Give yourself some depth. And then you can open yourself up left or right here. Yeah. It's a great clip. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, well, I've never heard Omar say it's a great clip before, so I'm very, I'm very proud of myself right there. So <laughs> I always say it's a great job with your research. Oh my god! <laughs> you. Um, Sharpie, that's really interesting, and honestly, my head just exploded because I, I hadn't, rec- I hadn't recognized that. I hadn't recognized that. Well, because you have some regard. coaches that would be like, okay, open yourself up wide and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I agree, that's too tight. It's too mm-hmm. tight. If he's 10 yards further, then fine, you know, but because he can adjust. But it, like you said, if he mishits that ball, if he clicks and you're too far, if you've given, you've opened up into the space too early and stuff, now you're scrambling. Or if for some reason, you know, he gets that ball clipped, now you're out of position to deal with the player coming at you and stuff. It's too tight. Yeah. Watch your goal first. I agree with that. Man, man. I, uh, I, no, 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 I would no, do no, the, no. I would do the opposite. I would, I would, I mean, I'd probably already have like my hips kind of turned and ready to run. I mean, again, that's what it comes down to the, to the, the chemistry between you and your defenders. Like as I've seen Casper Schmeichel too, he runs to the opposite side of the, the six yard box and that guy swings the ball all the way across to him. He has time. And again, if it's a new center back. Maybe it's not the, the ball that he gets, but because he's played with the same guys almost the entire season, they have that kind of synergy. But and if I mean, had he gone, had he gone more over, that ball wasn't hit back to him well. Like no, but I think if he had, 
I'd have to see where that ball initiated from. But if that ball was, if had, the center back had a little bit more time and, and Abe had more time to see that play develop, I'm sure he would have shifted over a little bit more. I didn't see like the full play. So maybe it was just a quick movement and he didn't have time to shift out uh, of the six. But in this play right here, it looked like it just happened so fast that he needed to protect his goal first before shifting over. I think if the play had more time to develop and he had more time to let his center back look up and find him, I'm sure he would have been on the other side again to create that space. I think uh, the center back's got less pressure on him too. That, yeah. that exactly. dictates, you know, the Absolutely. Easy to move. Yeah. I, I, this is actually reminding me of like a, a few weeks back when we had uh, Tommy Dutron from Seattle Sounders, and he was bringing about the, the thing about how so many goalkeepers move farther than the play requires. Like right. they'll, 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 they'll move right. ahead of the play. Right. And I think honestly, like myself personally in that situation, probably there, I could, I would see myself shooting all the way across that goal, mm -hmm. trying to get as far away from that goal as possible to create, <laughs> to, to create with. <laughs> No, seriously. Just, no, it's just the it, image in my head, correct? <laughs> I'm just, <we> just <laughs> no, 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 He's just at the end line, guys. He's at the end line. <laughs> Where did Michael go? Mike, it goes into style of play again. So we had, yeah. we, I've got a U13, our, our 2008 goalkeeper who plays uh, for our development academy. His feet are ridiculous. And he plays as the third center back. They, uh, those two center backs open up. They're, they're U11 or U12 uh, last year were playing 8v8 across the field. Now they're playing 11v11. And, and this kid is, Maybe four foot two, um, you know, but his feet are, are ridiculous. But they split, the, the center backs split far enough apart, and this kid comes right between the center backs in their style of play, and he is just like it, it's all on him. Um, but again, it goes back to what you said before understanding what they are trying to achieve. You know, does he fit their, their style of play? Does he understand, you know, breaking lines, body shape, movement first, off the ball, putting people in positions that are going to help him? get the ball to go somewhere else. You know, it, it, it's a it's a whole compilation of, of, of things. And I think that the movement off the ball piece, you know, there's so many different aspects to it. Pressure, time, space in the field, um, you know, all different transitional moments. Are you in build-up? Are you re just regaining possession, you know, in, in your middle third? Whatever it looks like. That's all all compiled together to get the, the answer of that specific moment. Yeah, I, I want to. I love the fact that you just brought up transition because now I, I want to go to the big boys. I want to go to William here, um, and and I want to I want to show uh, an example here. Let's see if this clips out halfway decent. Um, essentially, what happens here is uh, oh boy, up there, please just put your thumb over the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> no one, uh, no one, no one needs to see that. But uh, essentially, what's what's uh, what's going on right here is uh, hold on. Did I just lose the uh, the clip right there? Okay, so. Uh, let me turn the volume down right here. So I think what happens here is that it's the nine, which is, is that, how do you pronounce it? Benze? Benze? Benze. 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 Yeah, Nicholas yep. Benze, he receives the ball. It's on a bounce right here. He kind of gets it. So now we're talking, in, in, we're talking about out of possession, into possession. Yep. Yep. And now as William sees him going down end line, it's just a slow creep, basically yep. off his near post towards Benze. But here's the thing where a lot of young goalkeepers do is I think they would attack that ball right there. He lets it go because he sees that he has space between him and number 17 right there. Yeah. And then as that ball comes in, this is confidence right here. He plays it with the outside foot, left, side, left foot right, right outside and clear, cleared it right there. I mean, I think this is a brilliant play. Brilliant play right here. Sharpie, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Just let, <laughs> let, let, yeah, let, let, let it run. Let it run? Okay, okay, let it run. Okay. Let it run. Well, I think it's twofold there for me, you know, and Will will be kicking himself. Okay. Because it's not, he's not put the ball in a good position. 
Mm. Um, you know, but I think for me, this goes with the personality of the goalkeeper. Will's feet are phenomenal. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, we know him from, from Liga MX and, and their style of play, and, and that, that's why he's here. I've got two goalkeepers in, in Clinton and Will that are very, very good with their feet. Um, for me here, you know, obviously most people are thinking, right foot, put your foot through the ball, clear lines, squeeze it, squeeze up here. Um, you know, I, I even dare to say that Will's probably thinking, if you let it go, if you let it go here, Mike, okay. that he might even allow there, he might even take a touch onto his left foot there and let the ball go across. You know what I mean? He, he's that confident. You know, right, he's that, it's that he has that much space. He has that much space. Yeah. To open himself up, take a touch with his left foot and then just absorb the pressure that's coming beyond Lalas there. Um, you know, to, to give himself a little bit more time, um, you know, but I do agree with what you said here. I, you know, a lot of the young kids would be flying out of that position there. He's mm. been a little bit cautious because of where the 17 is. I think it's number 17 between yeah. Lalas. It might be 13. I can't even see the back of his number there. Um, okay. 17. 17. Yeah, number 17. Yep. He's just been obviously been a little bit cautious in case the ball is under hit from Nico. Um, you know, he does still have to protect his goal. Obviously, if it gets pinched there, he's got Lalas to protect the back post. He's obviously mm-hmm. just taking the near side. Um, but I do think in hindsight, now that, you know, obviously Will will be kicking himself where he put the ball, but I think too, he probably could have taken that touch out to his left there and absorbed a little bit of the pressure. Um, I'm sure Lalas now, you know, it kind of impeded his run a little bit there and played it into a space that was best for us to kind of squeeze our lines and, and get behind it, you know? I think that that goes back to what you were saying about how the shape of the other team changes in the time that, and so using your peripheral, taking that, quick okay here comes the ball taking that quick realizing i think it's the 15 isn't moving in on him then he real it would realize would have realized right. he right. has time to come across right. his goal yep. instead of kind of going on like this it's like an oh shit in a sense because of the pass is <laughs> you know it's a tough one it's a it's tough, a tough one. one it's a yeah, dangerous it pass it because it he has to not he's not sure what the seven what's going to happen with the 17 right and and so and that's close to giving the ball away in the like, let's be honest. Yep. So realizing that that didn't happen, I think he probably in his, I would, I'm not going to speak for him, but he probably doesn't know where everybody else is in the box anymore. Right. Right. Well, I, I think too, if he comes on in that moment there, as it kind of crosses the six yard box, if he comes on towards us, like right here, I mean, that's that a wolf could easily get blocked. You know, yeah. he could play that right foot to straighten the 17 and get blocked, which, you know, or he's putting it out like down where the camera crew is down the bottom of the screen somewhere. Yeah. You know? oh, and that's, I think what Mike was saying was that most kids would have just run at this mm-hmm. and tried to kick right. it. And then right. it would have been, could have been a debacle, but to have the patience to wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, his feet are good enough where he's probably gone. I can absorb this here a little bit longer than, than he can to go. And I'm sure you know, you can see number 10, Renato, down here at the bottom of the screen. I'm sure Will would have liked to have put that beyond him, you know, behind us here. I'm also actually kind of impressed with who's your who's the center back? Who's the guy right in front of Lallis. me? Lallis. I'm surprised he didn't just put this over the line. Right. Like, right. he assumes that he had the confidence in, in letting that ball go through the keeper because a lot of defenders would have said shit and just put it over the line and put it out for a corner. Right, right. right. So that's having, that goes back to what you're saying under um, Omar, like knowing your team and having confidence in, all right, this is going to the keeper. He can handle it. I think a lot of backs would have put that out. And you're wondering too, at that moment as well, what, what Will is saying to Lalas, like, leave it, let it go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's obviously got, Lalas obviously heard something there. 
Um, yeah, because he, he all of a sudden turns and he actually posts right. up against um, the 17. 17, yeah, yeah. You know, what's really what I loved about that play personally myself is that he recognized the second that 17 was coming onto that ball. He recognized the second that 17 did not have enough space to get to that ball mm-hmm. before he can make a play on the ball. So you can kind of see that moment. Like he's like, he's like, oh, he's not going to get it. I'm not, it's not, it's not going to be a blocking situation for me right here where I'm going to have to come out and make myself big. Uh, it's still going to be a pass back opportunity. And so, he at that moment then starts making that slight adjustment to go across, could go across goal, waiting for his opportunity to get to that ball. And, and Sharpie, I understand what you're saying in regards to that. He had the, the entire other space. Now he could have trailed the ball or he could have played it with the, with his inside he foot back touched. to the outside foot. And then, yeah. and then he had some time. Um, but I, I mean, I can, I can definitely understand from a, I would have panicked. I would have probably been playing <laughs> the ball. But that's me. <laughs> those are the moments you know that's what stuff's saying before those are the moments that you train for you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you know you look you look at it in that small block there where will doesn't creep too far beyond the post in case 17 does get a toe on it and now will's two or three yards outside of where he probably wants to be should the ball get turned over you know he's crept a little bit thinking okay nico might give me the ball here okay it's on He's giving himself a yard, a yard and a half outside the goal. But in a spot where if 17 does get a toe on it, he's still in a spot just to shift slightly to his left and he's in a blocking position. Opposed yeah. to being three or four yards outside the post, the toe does get, the 17 does get a toe on it and now he's got, you know, too far to go. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to turn it to, like, to the younger goalkeepers that are probably tuning in. Um, I think we've always, I think we all agree, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I think we'd all agree that, like, we'd rather have someone be, super proactive about these situations of creating space, knowing that that ball's bouncing to his, uh, a, a striker who's playing in the defensive end and most likely is going to look for an outlet and being proactive, knowing, okay, I'm going to be ready to, you know, show as an option, but at the same time, not showing so far because you step too far and that ball go, uh, goes across your body. Now you have to take an unnatural approach to it and the striker might get there first. So I think again, any young kids that are listening, be like, as a coach too, like I'd rather have a young kid who's always eager to find the ball, whether it's a, you know, 90th minute deep throwing for your team and you're running over, taking the throw. And I used to do that. So somebody who's looking to get in the action and we can kind of tone it back versus somebody who's just very timid and doesn't want the ball at their feet at all. Yeah. I think that's personality too, isn't it? You know, yeah, I'm always, you know, I, I asked Sass before about the recruiting, the recruiting part for what they're looking for in their culture. For me, as a young, looking for young goalkeepers is personality. I cannot give you personality. Mm-hmm. I can't give you, I, I, I can build your confidence. I'll give you technical. I'll give you the understanding of the football game. or the understanding of the goalkeeper. All the things that come in that. But I can't physically go, here's personality. Go out there and be the kid at the 90th minute to go and take the throw in or talking and organizing. Mm-hmm. You. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That That's a, that's a, a piece of it that comes with being a goalkeeper or any probably successful football player, um, you know, but th- that's a, it's a huge piece to, you know, identify early in goalkeepers, um, whether they're going to have that about them, that's probably going to give them the ability to jump the next level. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, 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 go, go, go ahead, Omar. No, no, I just, again, uh, I kind of want to just one last thing. One, for example, when I used to play too, like, again, now that I'm thinking about my personality aspect of it is that like, I always knew that if I get myself in trouble, cause I don't have a left foot, I'm going to be ready. Just, I, do, I have it now, but back then I didn't, I'm like, uh, situations where I get a pass back and I always tell my left back, I'm like, before the play even developed, where it's like a short throw in, I'm like, you go, dude, I'm about to get this. And I'm playing it one time across my body and I hope it gets to you, but you got to be there. So that ball would come in as a throw in instead of me turning and playing on my left, I'd one touch it across. And again, like, 
whether it's just me, you know, trying to not be exposed or being proactive, I don't know, but it was always, okay, think one step ahead. What could potentially happen in the situation? And I think that you said, it comes down to personality, but also to, um, like you told me one time, Chris, you said, don't give corrections based on the way you played the game and the way you perceive the game, give it on how the, the goalkeeper sees it. And I felt like that was like, damn, revelation for me. Because a lot of times I'm like, bro, why aren't you asking for that ball? Go get it. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, it's like personality-wise, they not they may not want to get that ball as much as I did. So I think that's a big part as well. Dude, you just brought up something, Omar, that I think is just absolutely phenomenal. And, 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 and I love it because I was just thinking about that in regards to when we're talking about creating space, right, and off the ball movement, a lot of it, you know, Sharpie and Saskia, you know, is, is about basically where do I feel comfortable receiving the ball? And, and, and if I'm, if it's, if that's going to be a dangerous area for me based on where my confidence is and based, based on where my, I think my skill set is weak or whatever, um, I, uh, I mean, I, 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 I basically think that like you, you need to kind of take that in, into consideration when you're working with these, these goalkeepers and ask them, where do you feel comfortable? Where, you know, like you were saying, Will, Will feels confident right there. You know, maybe another goalkeeper doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think yeah, so. Yeah, but you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to get confident. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not because you don't know what the game's going to throw at you. you yeah, know? I, I was just going to say, you know, Sasha took it right out of it, right out of my mouth. You, 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 you have to find, the ability to be comfortable in any situation, yeah. you know, look, it, it, the, the biggest one I can think of is this, and this is a great, I think of it all the time watching on the sideline, all comes in from the right center back to a goalkeeper who's right footed. And they take their touch across their body on their left foot and the strikers bearing down at them hard. And now they're, you know what they're thinking? Crap. I've taken the ball into my weak foot here. And the only thing I've got to do is knock the ball long, you know, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a habit. It's a training. It's a habit training uh-huh. there. Hit, receive the ball from the from the center back. Open your body up on your left foot, and then practice clipping the ball out. You know, it, it's it's every young goalkeeper working onto their weak foot's nightmare. Pressure, ball going to my weak side. I have to use my weak foot at the moment, and then I have to get it up and over somebody. Otherwise, it, it's going to turn into a, a, a situation one v one situation. You know, and again, like I said, you have to be comfortable in any moment. You know, and it's just working on those things. It's going back to what Sash said earlier working on it on your own, working on it after practice, working on it before school, working on it before training, like these little moments where it, it's such a simple thing. A touch, open your body, clip 30 yards into the outside back, clip 30 yards into the seven or 11, whatever it is on your weak side. Because we're all comfortable doing it on our, on our strong foot. It doesn't matter how old you are. You just yeah. want to hold your, your strong mm-hmm. foot anyway, you know? Yeah. Real quick, sorry to, to touch on a point we talked about last week, Mike. Uh, I think it's also too, we talk about as well, we need to audit ourselves a lot as goalkeepers and understanding uh, what is, what does a scouting report say about Omar Zini? Well, he doesn't like the ball play to his right foot or to, to, to his left foot. He always likes to be forced to his right. So we can play the ball and find opportunities. So for me, it's like, okay, damn. Well, if the scouting report says that he, they're going to force me to my left foot. So most often more, more uh-huh. likely than not, I need to understand, like uh, Chris said, when that right center back plays me the ball, I'm probably going to take a touch with my right foot across my body and, now in that short period, we're in emergency mode. In my head, I've done that so many times. That ball's gotten played to my, my right foot. I played across to my left, and I'm like, okay, Omar, just get it above head height and let's put it, <laughs> let's put it to the sideline. But, and, but because you feel like that, everybody watching feels the same thing. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. 
Oh, trust, boy. trust me, we're, coaches are going, <laughs> tell me when it's yeah. over. Yeah, I think, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what it is, though. I think, again, um, I always use different sports. And I, I talk about, you know, basketball, for example, you can practice, uh, you know, a three-point shot, practice the technique, it's great. But you actually need to practice about, you know, being off balance now, using that at full speed. And if you don't train that and you only do it in games, you're never going to be able to get that same shot off because it's never going to be in a, in a controlled environment. So yeah, we talk, yeah, go ahead. You're absolutely right. I mean, like scouting report, 100%. I, I watch the goalkeepers from the other teams and I watch that and I'll be like, what do you guys notice? Yeah. You notice she's not that strong with her feet, right? She gets the first touch is bad. So she gets the ball caught under. So what are we going to do in that situation? We're going after every, every week, you know, every week. Absolutely. Yeah, we're absolutely going after her. Mia, go. Raylan, go. Put pressure on her. She's going to be nervous as hell. And if she does get it off, it's going about 30 yards. So we're getting that ball. And and yes. Yeah. Omar, put it on his left foot. <laughs> hey, let me just say the updated when scouting it goes report. To his left, pressure, pressure. Updated scouting report's a little bit nicer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I mean you, but you can tell. I mean, Sharpie, you can tell when a goalkeeper, when a ball is played back to a goalkeeper, when they're trying to, they're trying to rearrange their body or rearrange the space yeah. to make it comfortable for them. Yeah. You know, I mean, and hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, well, Chris, oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, and that, that's going back to what I said. That, that's allowing yourself the ability to be comfortable under any situation, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for me, you know, again, I go back to my goalkeepers, my, you know, my first team boys, you'll find them after training, they'll just come and say, hey, can we just clip 15, 20 balls, left foot, right foot, work on my first touch, work on bringing the ball across my body. Mm-hmm. I've been out there. He's watched it, you know, yeah. um, which is huge. And, 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 you know, one of my goalkeepers, Andre Rawls, massive. Last year, we spent so much time because there was so much time in the COVID period to work on his feet left foot, right foot, first touch, opening up. Right. And you'll see from like March of last year to November, when we were finishing up the playoffs, where all these feet went <laughs> only because obviously we were working on it within the training session, but then the the 30 or 40 balls that, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he hit every day consecutive for six months made a massive difference, you know? And and Chris, I, I also, will, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I just, uh, I'll make this point real quick. Because you're confident asking for the ball, because you're confident and you're getting those reps in training, I guarantee you, you'll start noticing the spaces that you're putting yourself in are completely different than when you're not confident. I remember my, scene, my, my freshman year, we played against, I remember this like it was yesterday, we played against UC Irvine, and there was a situation where my left back got the ball, and I was like, damn, I could, I could show here, but I know for a fact it's my first game playing in college. I do not want to clear this ball with my left foot. Sure enough, my, my left back turns, looks at me. In that moment where he probably could have played me the ball had I checked, he yeah. loses sight of the striker. The striker yeah. takes the ball away from him. They come down the wing. They cross it in. One touch finish. We're down three. I mean, it was three nil. So I put my thumb over the scoreboard too. But it was just, <laughs> it, it was it was that situation where I'm like, damn, had I been confident, I would have created that situation and actually been there for an opportunity. Even I kick it out of bounds. Okay, whatever. But at the same time, like the foundational piece was that I was afraid to receive on my left foot. Damn. Yep. And, and, so your, think, team, and yeah. your team knew that. I looked at one of my players um, in practice and it was a small sided and she did not play the ball back to the keeper, turned it outside. Um, ball ended up getting coughed up and they ended up like the other group ended up scoring and that was the winning goal because it was towards the end and she was coming on the field and I was just like, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you not play that ball back because you didn't have confidence in the keeper? I'm not saying much. <laughs> um, and she said, yeah. And so that, 
there it is right there. It's like, if you, you're going to exude that, that if you don't have that confidence and had that been, had that been Lauren, the ball would have been played back. She probably would have taken a touch. It would have been up. We would, the other team would have been going and maybe they would have scored, but you know, it's, you know, your player didn't do that. The ball got clipped Omar and it was four, four, nothing. No, it was three, <laughs> like, three, no, three, no. I'm oh, sorry. It was the third goal. Check, that was the third goal. Check I thought the record, you were check saying it was already three <laughs> yeah. nothing. <laughs> Guys, what it does to you, what it does to people around you is the goal, the you know, the center backs, the sixes, whoever's around the goalkeeper at the time. Like just then, you see Lala's kind of go, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's it's massively confident building for the group in general, you know. And I had a it's a great example last week of what you just said. I had a U17 DA watching them play uh, 11 v 11. They were just a it was a a two nights before their game, their opening game this season. Uh, Center forward for the opposite team and the two center backs. Uh, center forward was between them and our left back and the left back for him and made the run down the sideline. So now he's 20 yards advanced to the 18 yard box, runs himself into trouble. The center back opens all the way up to the sideline to receive the ball back from the left back. And now the center forward and the, and the center back are now 1v1, right? In, in the center. So I said to my goalkeeper, I said, Look, you see that, you see that eventuating. Why not say to your left center back, stay? Mm-hmm. I will though, I will go and get the ball. Yeah, exactly. You know, I will go and get the ball. So as the left back turns and is now, you know, 15 yards outside the 18-yard box, he's now looking at you opening up the space. You're saying to your center back, stay, take care of the, 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 the lone striker mm-hmm. in the middle, give me the ball, and then we'll go from there. And then the center back, you know, if, if the striker comes, center back stands still, you play the center back, turn, we're out. Absolutely. Or, you know, and that's, that's the, the situation you're talking about there. I said to the young fella, literally three minutes later, the same thing happened on the other side, and he's gone, stay. Opened up, yes, give me the ball, bang. Forward comes in, he plays the center fo- uh, center back, center back plays out the other side, and they're gone. And now you're out. But you're out. But I bet you it's because he was going to receive the ball on his left side. You know, and he didn't, it, he might have been going, yeah, I saw that, Chris. Great. But the confidence to go out there and get it on your left foot and play in there and just be, the, two minutes later, now it might have been because I, I told it to him, he was looking for it, no problems. But two minutes later, the same thing happened on the other side, and it was brilliant. Out. Got good protection in the middle, plays it in, in the center back, out of the side, the guys are gone. Out. You know, and just those sharpie. little moments of recognition and little moments of like confidence. Yeah, yeah. Sharpie, Sharpie, you, you just brought something up that, that I think is actually really important right there. Is is that if you if, if your team doesn't have trust in you in certain in certain situations, in certain scenarios or whatever, they're going to try to do your work for you, especially at the youth level. They're going to try to do your work for you. And that's that's when that's when you that's have when you look lose. at that hair. Look at that hair. Have a look at that hair. Oh. For anyone's listening, I just switched the uh, background to Chris in the MLS Cup Championship. Whoa. About 11 years ago. <laughs> but uh, and, and that's uh. And, but that's when your team loses shape real quick, and now that's that's when you that's when you become susceptible uh, to a to a really tough situation because they're trying to do your work for you. Yeah, but that's when it also makes the other team your team easier to mark. Yeah, and to plug holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if yeah. they're doing that work for you instead of you opening up and now it going through you, and now you're you know now everybody can spread out and somebody can be on the um, touchline and stuff like that. Like that helps open up those spaces and move the ball. Right. If they're doing that work for you, it's just going to consolidate everybody and it, it makes it tougher on your D. I, I, yeah. I'm, a big, I'm a big component for my young goalkeepers on, I'm all right with them making mistakes. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with them making mistakes, trying to do the right things. 
And I will tell you what's the one pet hate of shopping, making mistakes, doing the same things over and over and over and over and over again. I'm a hundred percent. Okay. If he opens up there, gets the ball, clips it out, under hits it, hits the center forward, goes in the back of the net. Cause he's trying to do the right things, right? you know, but if he keeps doing it the same way, and <laughs> the different, then it, to me, it just it's like banging the head against a wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. My younger goalkeeper is doing the right things, trying to make things happen by doing them the right way and making mistakes. I'm 100% okay with that. I agree. Yeah. And I think um, also, too, you know, I think uh, it could be used differently, but Nathan Thackeray, I was talking to him about, you know, uh, taller goalkeepers, even shorter goalkeepers that are good in the air, like on free kicks. I don't know if you guys saw, I posted a, a picture of Ter Stegen. He stands on top of his, like, I mean, between the six and the PK spot on a free kick on the left flank, probably like 35 yards up. And if you watch the full clip, he recovers immediately back to his line. But just because he stayed extremely high, that ball was served away from position where he could come out for it and now he's uh-huh. getting a header from the pk spot versus from the six and i i, I kind of transition and, and translate that to actually creating depth or creating movement to find the ball you don't actually have to get the ball passed back to you but the mere fact that the striker now has to look at you and look at the center back as both of you guys being viable options for this ball or the center back receiving the ball and now you just even if you don't want to just say, hey, I'm on. Now the striker has to look at you. And that half second of turning their head gives your center back that one second window to not take the ball in advance. Or they go to the center back and then they find you. And now you guys are playing a 3v2, three, 3v1 two, three three situation. So like we talked about, again, expand your game to the range of obviously knowing what your team plays. But expand it so that you feel comfortable giving your team that one-man advantage trying to play out of the back. Yeah. yeah. You just brought up something brilliant omar and 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 that is that is the fact no mike no, because mike, did i ever tell you that i ever tell you i was gonna say <laughs> mike, did, mike did i ever tell you that i love your highlights dude i, 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 I gotta say it, man. <laughs> highlights you pick are class my friend okay go ahead go ahead <laughs> i will say no you brought you brought up the fact that about the fact is that you don't need to receive the ball to affect the play and i think Absolutely. a lot of Sharpie, I think a lot of young goalkeepers don't understand that and they get frustrated and they go like, well, I, you know, I, I moved and I gave, I gave him this option and he didn't play me the, he didn't play me the ball. Just you affected the play there. You've affected the play and you gave your team an, 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 an outlet. Maybe he, he didn't, maybe he didn't need to go. He didn't need to go there. The, cha- the, the, the play changed or whatever, but because you moved into the right space, you, you create it. And that's just as good as you receiving the ball and having to, you know, escape or, 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 or change the point of attack or, you know, having to make a save, whatever yeah. that's goalkeeping. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the same thing. They say, save the field plays, you know, in any style of play, the, the movement off the ball creates space for others. Exactly. You know, and the, the player keeps making the same run and never receives a ball, but it's selfless movement, isn't it? So, you know, that the, in the play I've just described where the boy opens up the center forward stays with the two center backs, if the boy opens up, the center forward takes off. The left back might be playing the center back then. But you've moved, by my moving, I've moved the center forward that allows the next pass to be available. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just it's just a different option. But obviously, then you put the onus on the right back or the left back to make that decision. Um, but your movement absolutely changes the picture for the person, A, on the ball, and B, the people who are trying to press you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and that's, it, it's a huge component of it, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I I know by the way I know everybody's uh you know we're going it's late obviously we started a little bit late today because of because of you know everybody's meetings and, and 
uh, stuff like that. But like, um, I, I do want to bring up one more thing before before we kind of wrap up and everything like that. And then we had Matt Turner last week, uh, which unfortunately, unfortunately, Suskia was not able to bring more Jersey swagger with another Jersey Jersey Sorry. goalkeeper. That's okay. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 have him back. But we talked about the prep touch and uh, w- the whole episode. We were talking about the prep touch and and one of the things that was brought up in regards to the prep touch sharpie was that your prep touch determines how successful your space manipulation is because you can create all, all, all space in the world. But if your prep touch is, is a rough, it's a rough touch. Then it was all, then it was all for not. Right. I, I, I think hundred percent agree with that. You know, you, you open up, you might create yourself good space. You create others good space. Um, you know, and that's why you work on, you know, our first and second uh-huh. touch, you know, and it might be a lot of the time, for me, a lot of the time is banging in balls that are bouncing in, coming at their chest where they're just settling the first one, get the second one out of your feet so you can play quickly. And it's not always going to be a perfect ball. A lot of the times, balls get played over the back of the center backs. They've got people up their backside. They're looking at you. They're just trying to get the ball off their feet quickly. The ball doesn't come in, you know, with great weight or, or at a good height or whatever it looks like, you know. Um, but once you've created the movement or the, or the space in your movement, you, you, the touch you have then, you know, it's just going to solidify whatever board you decide to give, you know, and a lot of the times creating depth is, you know, maybe I'm always talking about moving the ball, you know, moving the ball with purpose, taking a touch, letting the ball stand still, but sometimes you just got to put the foot on the ball, kill it dead and see what they do. You know what I mean? And it might be a different scenario where you're just holding them, letting them wait, letting the striker wait, or you're drawing someone towards you to play the next pass to go, you know, but that, yeah. that thought process has to always be, um, you know, what am I doing with the ball scanning, the, the, the identification of where the next pass is going. So the person who's receiving my ball is able to make their next pass with ease and comfort, you know, um, yeah. but the prep touch, you know, and everything is huge. Just real quick, Chris. So this is a picture from, I think, uh, Leipzig and the way they play this kind of setup right here. Yep. And like you just said, when you play this ball, if they, let's say, for example, as the like Warner or Sabitzer, I don't know how to say his name, but let's say he plays his right back here. You just said them perfectly. His, so, Exactly. Okay. So yeah. He plays. So he plays his right Werner, back right Werner. here. Werner. Yeah. Most likely, if me, if I see this guy step, I'm creating as much depth as I possibly can. Probably going the opposite side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of like the the mentality you have to have as a goalkeeper in these situations is like, yeah. yes, they're probably baiting me to play this ball. Okay, great. I know exactly where I'm going to go next. And then when I go next, I mean, that's probably when the film comes into play. Let's say Polson steps up into this space and then Forsberg probably steps up to the left back. Now I can chip that ball over here and then we're out the other way. So like to your point right there, exactly what you just said is when I play this ball, understanding does depth is depth going to be required on my next movement so that not just to give myself time, but I can also have my time as well to take my prep touch and scan the field. And then exactly what we reviewed in film, bypass him or play it short because uh, Forsberg didn't step. Right. Yeah, and you'll see a lot of young kids will play that ball, and then they don't they don't make themselves available f- to help like again. I did, I did my job. There we go. Like, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, play the ball. 100%. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to you've got to get back into a new position so that that you can re- receive that ball again. You're 100 right, and now you've pulled their players out of position, and now you have another option. You know, right. it's a chess game. There's got it can't just be like here's the one pass. Bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do you guys see? This is something else that we've been working on. Goalkeeper catches a cross of any description, high ball, into the chest, whatever it looks like. And they go flying to the 18-yard box and look for the quick outlet. It's not on. Other teams done a good job. They slowed you down. Man in front of you, you can't release the ball quickly. And all of a sudden, now you're in front of your center backs. Mm-hmm. So your team starts to take shape, and now I'm three yards in front of my center backs. What am I going to do, turn and roll the ball back to them? You know what I mean? Where 
they have this, the, the sense to go back in line and then back again. Right. Create yourself some depth. Now you're playing with some space, you know, and I see it all the time. You know, young goalkeeper, grab a cross, done a great job in the traffic, bang, looking for the quick outlet. Then all of a sudden looks around and finds himself five yards in front of the center backs and back the up. team down. Yeah, just back yourself up. Back up. Then go back again. Now you've got space. You've created yourself space while the ball's still in your hands to allow for the next part of the yeah. transition to take place. You know what I mean? And just a little moment, tiny, tiny, tiny little things. And no, you know, so I think a huge, when you talk about creating space. No, no, that, that, that's not taught enough. And I think, you know, as, as obviously Suski always brings up the literalization by, by, by young goalkeepers, it's because, you know, they're taught move up, go up, go up. You win the cross, go up, go up. They, and they don't, well, I they went don't, forward. They don't, I can't go any more forward. And then what do they do? Roll the ball to themselves and go outside the box. So now you've left the ball. Now you've left the box. Now the ball's on your foot. Now your team's still trying to get up past you, and now it's just a nightmare. Back yeah. up. You're allowed to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you, you see the kid turn as he's running back towards the goal. He rolls the ball backwards to his center back. Now he's facing his goal. The ball's going backwards towards the end line, and you're he's scrambling or she's scrambling to get back behind to create some sort of an angle. You yeah. know. Yeah. So you talk about creating space. Those are moments as well that for me they create space. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, I that was something I, I didn't I didn't even think about. Um. Well, 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 guys. As as we wrap, you know, first first off, you know, Chris, honestly, thanks for taking all the time, man. I mean, honestly, absolutely, uh, I mean, great stuff. This, I mean, first day of first day of uh, and it's funny because like Sharpie is like, he's like, ah, oh, man, he's like, uh, we're uh, we're 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 changing up our, our system right now, so I don't have any clips and everything like that. But if you want to find some clips, you know, we can do it or what whatever. <laughs> um. But uh, so it's a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a crazy situation right now with obviously day one of preseason training starting out. So for the fact that you're willing to spend an hour and a half with us on the podcast, man, I mean, means. Uh, you have to ask me, ask Omar. Anytime I can talk about that. I love it. I was impressed with the backgrounds, Omar. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Thank you, guys. You've got, a, you've got a cheeky grin on your face over there, though, mate. I'm, I feel like something else is coming. Like there's, there's a little, <laughs> Anything a little else on the face there. There was one more, but it didn't download. I have to figure it out. Oh, I know. Man. continue i'll figure it out go ahead oh man uh last sharp thing last thing i want to i want to ask you uh, as we wrap up here is that so many young goalkeepers when we talk about the movement they think about like you were like i think uh either saskia or you just brought up you know it was like you know uh, the first movement how important is that second movement after you've received the ball because i think a lot of goalkeepers like you were talking about passing the buck you know it's like they made their movement they created space they receive the ball, they play the ball, and my job, my job is done as opposed to seeing what's the next, what's the second movement. So how do we work on teaching those goalkeepers to, to be involved, invested in the play, and, and, and be ready for that second movement? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, for me as a goalkeeper, you, 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 there's no plays off. You know, it doesn't matter if the ball's mm-hmm. a corner kick at the other end of the field. You know, you've got a job to do, shape behind the ball, organizing, getting your feet sorted out, making sure that everything's taken care of. And, and for me... You know, we go through games, guys, as goalkeepers, where you might not see the ball literally at your feet or in your hands for long, long, long periods of time. Um, your movement on the ball, your north-south, east-west movement, um, your ability to communicate, your ability to organize, all these little moments in the game are massive for, for any goalkeeper. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, you know, but the, the, the movement off the ball, whether your team's in possession in the middle third, you know, they're in your defensive third, they're in the, the, the opposition, uh, you know, your final third, your movement is so critical because it can change like that in a split second. And, and, you know, we've been working hard the last few weeks in our academy on transitional moments. Um, you know, we've got some very, very good goalkeepers 
that and they're playing at very high levels where balls turn over in the middle third. They're trying to be nice and high to you know cover the space behind the back four. But ball turns over and they're still thinking, oh, there's still no, there's still no danger, there's still no danger. All of a sudden, they're backpedaling at pace. They've got no mm-hmm. kind of shape in their body. Kid looks up and goes bang over the top of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and just those transitional moments. I think movement in possession, out of possession, you know, in your defending third, in your middle third, it doesn't matter. It's so important. First movement, movement. You're constantly moving, you know, and looking for ways to affect the play when you guys either have the ball or you don't have the ball. Yep. Yep. Um, Nothing to add to that. Oh no! No! Oh, no! Oh, here's here's one more. Oh my gosh! Oh, baby, baby, baby shark! Baby, baby shark! <laughs> wow! Oh my god! That's a good hey, one, Omar. That That's a good one, winner, mate. That is a Paul Walker. <laughs> Paul Walker. I don't think much has changed. In is that a play? Is that a, is that a playing? Is that a playing shirt? Playing playing shirt? Uh, clip? Uh, I think it's yeah, a play? I think it's our warm up jersey. It was my first year at the Rapids in two thousand eight. Oh my god! Baby face. Yeah, I think that's pre-game warm up. <laughs> Good oh, job. That is, yeah. that is Chris, crazy. I, I want to say congratulations. I know your baby's on the way. Thank you. And uh, excited for you. Absolutely. Your, fir- your first kid. First one. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Another little yeah. goalkeeper added to the, to the goalkeeper union. So. <laughs> All right. There you I go. Know. I don't know. I'm so excited. I like. What do you think about Omar as a middle name? What do you think? Too much. <laughs> 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 As long as he's got more of my missus um, components than mine, we'll be all right. <laughs> I'm glad you said so, Omar is supposed yeah. to pro GK. You don't want to do one. No, no, no. Hey, I'll take the pro GK, the pro GK onesies though, mate. Just send a whole box. Forward. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. Oh, oh my God. I think there's actually, I think somebody else needs a pro GK onesie as well. Too, I do so. too. <laughs> So I, say, oh, I got yeah, you. Got two. Except for she's eight pounds. She's eight pounds, 11 ounces. So I need like <laughs> the three to six month old one. <laughs> okay. All right. We do have a future, future goalkeeper right there. That is for sure. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Um, well, well, Sharpie, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, uh, where's the best place for them to connect with you on social media? Um, on my Facebook page, you can just DM me on, on messenger. Um, C underscore Sharpo one on Instagram. Um, you know, look, Omar, I've done this a million times. I'm always willing to answer questions. So guys, please feel free uh, at Core Goalkeeper Academy as well. Just just hit me up on any of those with any of your questions. Um, and, and I'm always happy to answer them. And I'll, I'll take the time too as well. Guys, right if, he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't answer your, your messages or anything like that, send them to me. I will uh, disguise them as my questions and I will get back to you. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get back will, to you guys. I will later. wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, my no. gosh well, well, well obviously guys obviously you know contacted inside the 18 media that's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms obviously you can follow saskia weber at saskia underscore weber uh and omar zini at pro gk academy underscore that is all the time for inside the 18 and we are out later guys Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Well, 
Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madgett, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you used to know him as the czar of the virtual background, the one and only Pro GK Academy, Omar Zini, who today might have lost his title, man. You might have uh, first error. I think you, you, you had your perfect Allison Becker record going for a while, and then all of a sudden a couple, a couple mishaps, no. you know, are people going to be able to uh, forgive you? Well, people don't know it happened now that you're breaking that fourth wall. So everyone knows it happened. And Adelaide, I mean, she probably could have just, she probably wouldn't have said anything the whole the whole show. But hey, you know what, Mike? We'll out it now. We'll get it. I put the wrong logo or I put the wrong team. And I mistakenly did that. I went on Wikipedia. I should have just trusted Mike's notes. And uh, yeah, just lesson to everybody out there. Do your homework before you try to show off your background. Do your research, guys. Do your it, like Do I said, like 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 you said, Omar. It could have been worse. You could have put put up a Duke background to a former North Carolina Tar Heel. You could have yeah. done that. So exactly. this podcast would have been done before we even started. But hey, you know what? I had a second <laughs> chance. I came back. I redeemed myself. And everyone who doesn't even know what's going on, welcome to the show. Uh, well, well, the reason that Omar's got that UNC background is because we have a former UNC alum, uh, obviously now goalkeeper at FC Norschland. Uh, in Denmark, uh, the one and only uh, Adelaide Gay. Uh, Adelaide, did I pronounce? Ad- by the way, I can't pronounce Adelaide. Do you go by Addy ever? Ads? No, that was perfect. Did I? Um, okay. Well, Adelaide, yeah, good. Um, Addy, yeah, you can call me Addy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're like Addy. Much I easier. Guess. Yeah. Yes. You're like. No. Well, <laughs> when I was a kid, I made everyone call me Adelaide because I was. I thought I was fancy or something, but now <laughs> I don't care. I'll answer to anything with an A, pretty much. <laughs> Oh my, oh my gosh. You know, that's so funny. Cause like, uh, I, I have a friend of mine, um, my friend, uh, Lourdes and for first time I remember I, I met her, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, your name's Lourdes. She's like, please don't call me Lourdes. That's literally <laughs> sounds like we're at like some elegant black tie ball. Like, no, just, just call me Lulu. I'm like, all right, Lulu. That's, that's as, that's as 180 as you can get from that. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, well, Adelaide, uh, before we kind of start and kind of get into this topic, which, uh, I mean, my gosh, you've got some incredible film here that we're going to be sharing on on making in-game adjustments. Insane. Um, for those people out there who are... Oh, no, it's good. It's good. It's Omar level Pro GK Academy good. That's how good it is. Wow. So, um, <laughs> but before we get started, um, obviously, we were chatting a little bit about this beforehand, and I think a lot of people might not kind of be familiar with this. Um, you're actually a founder of, of a brand out there um, that's that's kind of taken the soccer world by storm. And uh, and one of the really cool things is that it's two former two former players, right, that you guys both kind of started mm-hmm. this together. So um, why don't yep. you tell a little bit about, uh, oh, God, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, Duchtig, Duchtig? Whoa. Yeah. Duke did. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Very Swedish. Um, yeah. So I guess this is our fourth year in business now and, um, it's me and Tiffany Weimer and we are both playing in, Oh, good job with the background. There we go. Um, We were both, (laughs) we were both playing in Sweden at the time and we had talked, you know, for a while about, uh, how we didn't have a soccer specific notebook that we really liked to use. Uh, that was like a moleskin and and nicer because you can find some out there and um, but you know all the nicer notebooks you have to draw the field in and being pretty OCD we you know it drove me crazy that I had to draw the field in every time and it looked different every time and I just love to take notes and um, so we we kind of started it not I won't say on a whim but you know we were I was trying to find a company that would make them and a company was like well we're not going to make them but we'll sell you 500 of them. Um, so we were like, well, why not? Let's just buy 500 and maybe other people will want it as well. And so, uh, we bought them and 
people, you know, primarily coaches, actually, we, we were players at the time. Um, but I think it's a no brainer for coaches. And so people bought them and, and then we were like, well, what else do you guys want? And they were like, we want soft cover. We want it to be waterproof. We want, um, all these other kind of things. So we've kind of expanded from there. Um, but that's the general story. I mean, my God, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's such a cool story and everything like that. And like, I mean, Omar can attest to this as somebody who's very meticulous about preparation. Obviously a lot of the coaches that we've had on the show and, and players as well too, you know, are, are really much about session design and making sure that they're very specific in their session design. Uh, I mean, Omar, I mean, you know, we used to just write it on napkins, you know, I mean, this is, this is a much better way to go about it. Right. I'm not as old as you, Mike, so I don't, I'm not going to say that I've uh, I've done I've done napkins before, but I definitely think Adelaide and I are from the same generation. So I think uh, you know we're both started with papers. I started doing you know I have probably like a whole notebook now of of uh, organized papers where I just drew the field out myself. I'm too not lazy, but I spend money on the wrong things, Adelaide. So I will have to buy one of your notebooks. A lot of my friends have them, and a lot of them you know swear by them and swear that they obviously make the uh, yeah the, the process a lot easier. So I will have to jump on that. I mean, I think one of the really awesome things about it, you know, Adelaide, and we've talked about this even on the show. Um, we had a uh, Caleb Patterson Sewell uh, on um, in, in, in uh, on the podcast is that a lot of young goalkeepers, you know, they don't think about the future and they don't think about creating an asset for themselves. And, and the fact that you're still in your playing career and that you saw an opportunity to, to create an asset for yourself that, cause you know, cause as we all know, you know, our, our playing career is finite and, uh, I mean, geez, Louise, you definitely have a career as a coach if you want to do that based on the video breakdown breakdowns that you gave. Um, but but it's awesome to for to, for you to be this forward thinking. I know Omar, this is something you've tried to discuss with with goalkeepers all the time. Yeah, uh, it's never it's not going to last forever. So I mean, if you can find a way to have a passion that you have, well, for me it was goalkeeping. I uh, didn't know right away that I wanted to get into coaching, but I think there were always like foundations that I I put down from the beginning of just watching film all the time and understanding and being curious about the position. And I've been fortunate enough to have that translate to what I do full time now. So I'm sure Adelaide can attest to that as well. It's just like, you know, being like sparking, uh, sparking that creativity, but in the goalkeeping sphere takes you a lot further than sparking it and trying to do something else um, in a different field. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if it's goalkeeping, you already have a leg up on all the, all the competitors who are trying to catch up to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you know, if you do what you love and, and you kind of become that expert in that one area and you follow the things that you enjoy the most, um, you can carve out something in that, that arena for sure. It's much easier than just starting from scratch. And I know with, um, you know, I went to business school or I went to school for business, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> and yeah, coming up with random ideas, you don't have any expertise in that area. So um, I kind of got lucky. This is all the things that I love in, in one one thing so you got lucky but you created your luck that's what my my <laughs> like my friends always tell me yeah man you got so lucky with like your pro gk stuff and like goalkeeping i'm like sure but like you know you have to start i've made videos in my backyard with like terrible grass my goal did not have any nets i had a, like a frame that i had since i was a kid didn't have a net on it i bought a net put it on there i thought it was the coolest upgrade ever and then it was just like okay i need to probably go to a turf field now this the aesthetic is terrible <laughs> here so it's just like you got to start somewhere and then from there it uh it develops so congrats to you and your team hopefully it uh, takes off yeah well it takes off more than it has <laughs> well 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 i i will say this right now as uh, as i think we might be momentarily being joined by an, another princeton 
uh, goalkeeper uh, 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 alum from the city of Princeton, New Jersey. Although I know that you went to Lawrence Prep, so Suski is going to going to talk a little bit about that. I think in a, in a couple seconds here when uh, when when she gets on the air. By the way, Stan Anderson Camp Shutout says, "Love me some Adelaide" in the comment oh. section right now. So shout out to the one and only oh, Stan Anderson. I'm wearing his Camp yeah. Shutout shirt as we speak. So there we go. Oh, nice. Yeah, there we. Uh, <laughs> There, there we go. Oh, I think we, I think we're here. Oh, oh, a hole in my coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, guys! We are joined by a special guest, the one and only UCLA goalkeeper coach, Saskia Weber, <laughs> who did not attend Lawrence Prep. I didn't. I'm a townie. <laughs> I'm a townie. I went to Princeton High, so. Um, we, 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 we joked around that about that, uh, Adelaide, the, the, the reason that, uh, that you, you did not attend Princeton high is because, you know, Susky has got to keep that, that record, uh, at the school. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? It's nice to meet you. I, I'm good. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I definitely remember you from when I was, I was younger. Um, you can say I mean, little, I think you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. So I have kind of a funny story that I've, you know, I've never really told anyone, but well, a few people, but, um, I met you when I was 10, 11, maybe. And, um, it was funny. I was, I don't know why I was at the hotel that it might've been in Woosa, um, where you guys were staying at. And my mom at the time, uh, Brianna Scurry was, was eating breakfast in the hotel. And my mom was like, Oh, go, go over, go over and get her autograph. And I was like, mom, she's eating breakfast. Like, I don't want to interrupt her. Like I was very shy. Cause I was like, you know, 10, 11 years old. And so my mom's like, no, no, like, it'll be fine. Go over and ask for autograph. I go over and ask for autograph and <laughs> short story. She's basically like, no, I'm eating breakfast. And of course, yeah. Come on, Bri. Yes. Bri. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was like, and so of course I like ran away and I was like mortified. I think I was like crying. And, um, you were there in the lobby and you like took a picture with me and gave me your autograph and everything and, and made it better. So. Oh, see that? See, I'm <laughs> not star. a bitch, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Contrary to popular belief when I do like my analysis. I know, I know the, the, I the love joke that story. The joke, the joke, the joke Addy always is like when, uh, when it, whenever Suskia starts doing breakdowns it, and she starts talking about, it, she's like, this is ridiculous. She's like at my sessions, like, this is what I expect. And I tell them that's unacceptable. And we're just like, everyone's like, I was like, no one wants to train with you. And she's like, I swear to God, that's, I'm a nice person. I swear. I swear. I, swear. I just sound like it on the air. I'm really, really nice. No, that's awesome. Um, I love it. But, 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 but Addy, you know, I think another awesome, really cool thing right here, obviously we have, you know, Suski on here, you know, who's a part of the ownership group for Angel City FC, you know, coming to NWSL mm -hmm. next, next season. And uh, Addy, you know, you yourself as a, as a budding entrepreneur, you know, and both of you guys, you know, having a, a female run brand. I mean, the, by the way, I think also one of the really cool things about it is that it's not like people are like, oh, it's a female owned brand. It's just, <laughs> it's just a soccer brand and, yeah. and it's really popular. I think it's just, it's just really a testament to, I mean, look, you guys can talk more about this, but just the progression of society as a whole. So I just keep saying yeah. the UNC background. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I definitely think that's great. I think, um, you know, we love it when we see other women-owned businesses, especially going to the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Um, just 
you know, there, there are so many women in soccer and then they just get out. Some go into coaching, but they just move on to a totally different life. And I think it's really cool um, when women stay involved in the game, even after they retire in all sorts of different capacities, not just coaching. So I think that's it's awesome. kind of nice to see. I think whether it was, you know, like to think that it was Angel City that kind of got the ball rolling with it, but now just so many other women athletes that are now starting stuff or buying into stuff. I mean, Bri just joining, you know, Washington and um, their, their ownership group and, and just across all sports. Um, and I think, I can't remember who the basketball player, but one of the NBA, WNBA players is one of the first to be part of ownership of a team. So I think that mm-hmm. it's opening the floodgates and it's awesome. Yeah, it's very awesome. I think, I know Naomi and with the courage as well. Um, I think yep. everybody, yeah. And I think that's, fantastic because it's you know women not helping other women but sort of getting involved um in the the women's game will I think elevate things so yeah no, right not just good. men owners <laughs> yeah exactly it's you know it, I think it just opens that door for the future that yeah we uh, women can own teams we can do anything you know so exactly somebody yeah. just had to start doing it Yep. Did you hear that, Omar? Yeah. I just, it, was too, it was too easy. It was too easy to throw you under the bus right there. It was, to, it was too oh, easy. I'm, oh, ju- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. With <laughs> oh, me? With, no, no, Omar, okay. because remember a year ago when... Uh, when, uh, when hey, Ariana, it's changed. When, it's changed. It's changed. I know. It's changed quite a bit. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we gotta do like a we gotta do a reaction. I don't you don't you don't know what happened, but essentially, uh, we had a guest who called me out for not posting uh, enough uh, female content. I thought I did, okay. but I guess not. But then you go back and do it, and then again, I, I we talked about it here as well. Like you see some of the the ignorant comments that people write, and then now I'm like, okay, you know, because I didn't post enough about this, I didn't I wasn't aware of these ignorant comments that you know the the women in in all sports have to deal with. And then I started posting more and more. And then some, some guy DM me. He's like, bro, what's up with all these like female, female content. I was like, well, you got to get used to it. Or you got just unfollow me. Like I, at this point, I don't really care. Like just, it's going to keep coming. So I, I don't know what you want me to say. Like it's yeah. just cause you DM me. I'm going to say, oh, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. So that's what it is. Though. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's a change of, it is a change of perspective. And I think the more you show it, the more people will go, okay, like I need to respect this game. Not just because it's, you know, a female goalkeeper, but it's like we're goalkeepers as a union, as a whole group. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy to forget about it, especially when you're immersed in your own little bubble, um, you know, with my team or whatever. But every once in a while, I'll see a post about women and then you'll on a on a bigger soccer platform and you go into the comments and it's like to the kitchen and like all this. Stuff. Oh, yeah. The How are people are- still saying that? It's crazy. I will say too, growing up, I know Saskia, I don't know if you want to hear this, but like it's Bri okay. was like, was it. like, Bri was like my, I mean, she was like my idol. That's I grew funny. up watching her. <laughs> I would watch her. I mean, I, I remember I, we played against them 2007 or something, 2006 maybe. And it was like a U.S. Women's National Team versus my club team. We beat them. But after the game, I like went up to her. I was like, oh, like I, ever since I was young, I was watching you play like 99 World Cup. And like, I watching like that you you're like, out. ever since I was like, what were you, 19 when you went up to her? <laughs> no, no, 2006. I was 13. I was 14, 14. 14 so ever 14. since i was young you said to her, I mean, well. no but since since 99 but like if you look at even like the 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 goalkeepers that we in the states had to look up to i mean yeah brad friedel uh I mean, uh, Tim Howard, all those guys. I mean, for me, it was just like round around a square was like the first like champion. Like you saw her on, on TV. You're like, Oh damn. Okay. Like she's pretty badass. And I never, I never even said like, Oh, it's a female goalkeeper. It was like, damn, 
somebody who's as good as as I want to be at what they do and what I want to do, damn, okay. Like I need to step up my game. I was never as athletic as her, unfortunately. I never really got Not to that max capacity. <laughs> yeah. And same same with are. you, Sasuke. I mean, we've seen we've seen some of those pictures behind you. I know we see, oh we've seen you at your your tonest and your fittest. So I think you yeah, don't don't uh, don't sell no, yourself I short. I know you got it too. On the bench while you were watching, I was over in the <laughs> so, Sasuke, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't tell you this, Sasuke, but I actually did a deep dive and I actually found some uh, oh, no. some WUSA uh, a tape of you uh, out there and i don't know if uh if we're ever going to want to share that share that we'll on share here. That i don't time, know yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the copyright situation is right there but oh my gosh were you quick unreal like oh, I, you were scary how my gosh you coming off your line i mean i i just saw the fear out of somebody's eyes they're like no nope go down and smother that ball we're not getting anywhere near you, you we're jumping right over you that is uh oh, thanks. i'll have to see it uh, you'll you'll know definitely any of that have stuff to. Oh yeah, it still it still exists out there. <laughs> um, let's uh, let let's jump into this topic right here, guys. Uh, speaking of uh of, of in game in game stuff. Um, uh, today's topic, guys, is uh, in game adjustments. Um, I think it's a topic that we haven't really covered yet because I think there's a both a, a, a mental and a physical side side to it. Um, Adelaide, for maybe some of the parents out there listening that that don't know kind of like the vernacular we're using, like what do we kind of mean by an adjustment? Uh, during a game? So I, I don't necessarily know how, how you would define it. To me, an adjustment is sort of um, a decision to change the way you're playing a little bit. So whether it's in possession or, um, you know, something's breaking down and you need to fix it. Uh, I would say an adjustment uh, is not necessarily something new that you're doing. It's just a decision to make a save a different way or position yourself differently. I don't know if that's how you define it as well. Mike. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go off of that. I want to tell you guys a quick story. I know Sas, get your, get your popcorn ready. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> no, I, so I, I made my, I, I told you, everyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I went to like in the, this Armenian tournament, uh, the pan Armenian games in uh, two years ago. It's been crazy. That's been already two years, but they hit a ball over the top. And it bounced and I thought there's no way this guy's going to hit it, you know, off of, off the bounce. There's, there's no way. So I kind of like shifted over to the near post just a little bit slower than I usually would. Cause I was like, he has to take one more touch. He's going to square it. He shot it on the bounce, puts it far post and it hits the post and it goes in. And I remember going, Jesus, dude, why did you not move faster? Like what you were obviously surprised, but like, why didn't you move quicker? And then like probably later in the game, I kept reiterating to myself. I'm like, dude, you just got to go back to the basics. You got to get from point A to point B fast and respect that that person could hit it first time or two, uh, two touch. So later in that game, not a similar situation, but very, very close. The ball gets squared across and I sprint all the way across the goal. I get set. The guy headers at far post. I make a good save. And in my head, I'm just like, if I had not made that in-game adjustment of like beating myself up and going back to the basics and the fundamentals of like get to your get to point A to point B mm -hmm. fast as quickly as possible, and then from there have a chance to get your feet set. Things that I say in training and that I coach, I would have never made that second save. So I just hopefully that kind of helps people understand what, in my opinion, what I what I see in-game adjustments as. Yeah, no, I think um, I mean it can go. There's a whole spectrum of the, what the definition can be. If we're talking about individually, like. For me, it would really be something where reading the other team and what what what's their game plan here? Like, are they all of a sudden, you know, now loading up and shooting from distance, like for some stupid reason that they think they should shoot on distance on me? Um, and like, I, I love I love that. I even say <laughs> it to my the people now, like when people tee up and shoot on Lauren 
for UCLA from I'm like good go ahead that's awesome like <laughs> I'm not gonna shit on her from outside um but I think but those adjustments are they playing through balls like what is my start like what maybe something we had seen um in pregame when we were watching tape is different now maybe there's maybe their lineup is different maybe their shape is different and now um where I was playing maybe a little further off my line because of how they were playing the games we've seen before now I have to maybe my, adjust myself and look for different things I, um and then it goes as far as to you know game management like what are we doing are we am I slowing the game down am I speeding the game up like adjusting on the fly of game management for your team depending on if you're up if you're down you know time on the clock um if somebody gets hurt if you're if your shape changes and stuff so it's it's a lot of things yeah you know it's 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 funny um because Addy, you brought up the whole fact of like it doesn't have to necessarily be something new because i think that's a big issue that a lot of young goalkeepers have is when they hear the word adjustment like sask or omar like if you tell a player like why don't you make an adjustment they think oh i have to do something they have something new i've never done before something i haven't done in the game right now you know um you know how i mean how important is it just to kind of have like that tool that mental toolbox of the, all the scenarios that you've gone through in the past you know and we're going to see examples of kind of how you saw literally the same scenario happen in the game and you recognize from earlier on in the game oh my gosh this is the same thing i realized what what i did wrong not say wrong but not as well mm -hmm. earlier N now i know what to do to make that adjustment so that this is not a successful action Right. Yeah. And I think when I went to pull clips there, it's, I've, we've only had four games here, so, you know, it's not much to, to go back through, but it's, I remember those pretty well because I remember in game thinking the next time that happens, I have to do it differently. Um, and especially when it's like a shot on goal or a goal, you know, it's, it's definitely reinforced. I think it's a bit tougher in possession or uh, when it's when when it's not super close to goal to recognize what's working and what's not working, but that's also important as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Omar. Sorry, I something? think I'm on mute. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm on mute. Uh, but yeah, I think <laughs> I'll ask Sask and Mike. I know just from us as coaches, I think one of the biggest things that I've had to learn is when a goalkeeper of mine has made a mistake or has conceded a goal from a mistake, and in my head the way I played. I would make a certain adjustment. And then at halftime, they come to me and they kind of like, you know, ask for that halftime report. And they kind of already know they made a mistake. But in my head, I go, hey, you should have done this better. And next time around, I would do this. And I feel like, I don't know if you guys have done it before, but sometimes you give that advice based on how you as the coach would have done it. I, you would have played. So sometimes it can kind of get it a little bit misconstrued uh, with the goalkeeper because they're just like, wait, is he asking me to do something new here? Like, this is not something that I'm, I'm familiar with. So I don't know. So does that ever happen to you? Maybe at UCLA or, you know, in, in other coaches, uh, coaching ventures you've done? I mean, no, I feel that for me, like I, I tend, I don't base it on what I would have done. Like I have to base it on like their strengths. So like a good example, like I actually wasn't at the game because family stuff um but um watching the game against Arizona the the other day like seeing Lauren going down too early in my favorite K save um which she rarely ever does because of her size and quickness she usually stands people up and and her reaction is really good and she went down early and the girl went high and you know scored and um but 
but talking to her about it, it was like, because of her size and her strength and her, you know, reaction, but she know, I was like, you need to stay up longer for that. You need to stand the person up. Now that could be a different situation depending on who the person is. I think I would have told that advice to anybody, but, um, but like come down to like some of the other keepers, like it's, it's not, I don't base it on my, what I would have done in a situation. I don't like for me, like Mike just said, like I was super, super, super quick off my line. So to be honest with you, I might've gotten to the ball, like, you know, with the short, with the long touch that the forward took, I might've gotten there because that's how I played. That's not how Lauren plays, you know? So. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, I mean, Addy, as like, as a player yourself, personally, you probably appreciate that because I think that was one of my faults as, as a younger goalkeeper coaches, I would think, what would I do here? And I would give them, and, and I think that's just part of the maturation process as a coach. I would think, oh, okay, this is the information that I need to give them because this is what I would do in that situation. And can you kind of recognize when, when a coach is, you know, really thinking about you specifically and your strengths and when they're just giving more of a template of like what they think conceptually you should do? Yeah. And I think I, personally, um, I'm on the smaller side and I've always been really good with my feet and quick off my line and, and sort of tactical in terms of coming off my line. So I've always had slightly different strengths than other goalkeepers, even of my age. Um, and especially, you know, with a, a male coach that's, you know, tall, that's played goalkeeper as a tall man is different than a small, small woman in terms <laughs> of their positioning and all that kind of stuff. So I do think it has taken me a while to, to recognize, you know, maybe what is advice that's based on their experience and, and what is advice that is sort of tailored to me. But I also think it's very, very hard if you've never played as a smaller goalkeeper to, um, to even to give that have advice. that understanding. Yeah. So yeah, I think, um, and, and I do think it's a learning curve. Like this isn't a, like Omar for me, like if I think back to coaching the, I think I used to absolutely like say, well, this is what I would have done, you know, so everybody should be doing it, you know? Um, but I think through, through working with multiple sizes and strengths, just like you said, I, like, I have to look at it. Like, you know, how would E have handled that? Like she starts further on her line than Lauren. So she might not even have gotten as far as Lauren because she's so, she's much, much, much shorter that this is something that, would have been handled totally differently depending on the goalkeeper. But I, I think when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't look at things that way. I agree yeah. with that. No, I also too, uh, it's it, this kind of situation is such a like double-edged sword because I feel like even when I used to play, there were times where I would come for a cross and I would get nudged a little bit and I would try to punch the ball or try, excuse me, try to catch the ball in traffic and I would end up bobbling it and it wouldn't lead to a goal, but it would be close. And then probably like five minutes later, I would tell myself anything that comes into the box from this point out, I'm just going to punch it. What am I doing? Why am I trying to catch this ball in traffic? And we were playing against it's a terrible story, but us men's national team, they had like a select team from the development Academy playing against like the U twenties before they went to the world cup. And literally we're down like six zero. It was terrible. And like they crossed the ball in and it was one of those ones where like people were saying, yeah, keeper Omar, you're going to get that. 
and I came and I punched the ball like the lousiest punch I've ever had right on top of the 18. And, you know, just because it was a, sh- a crappy day for me, this guy one time rifles it to the top corner. And I'm just like, what? Like, what are the what are the chances that like the ball I'm supposed to catch? I punch and this guy has the wor- a world like, <laughs> world beater goal. So and that's what I'm saying. It could go both ways. And I, I mean, if anybody wants to tell a similar story, but like you need to understand that you can't just put a blanket statement over situations just because it didn't go right the first time. Maybe you just say at the at the fundamental purpose or at the, like the foundation of what my decision is going to be for the next time around is like understand make the right decision for that play don't try and do more than you should sometimes you got to clear the ball up the field sometimes you got to try and play out of the back you got to understand the difference and I think um, understanding that part will make it uh, so you don't get scored on like I did or poor Omar probably looked at the the, the U.S. soccer scouts on the sideline for the na- youth national team, and they just saw them cross off Omar's name. He's like, oh, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> but you can tell, you know, when you're watching things, you can tell when people make that blanket decision. Mm-hmm. Like, I oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching somebody, oh, yeah. let's say, will, will box a ball or or pit a bunch of ball, and it's like here like in their face and i'm just open your hands just catch the ball you know but you can tell like five minutes ago that they, they made the decision anything that comes in here i'm just gonna clear and, like, and then they're doing the dumbest stuff and it's just like guess they just kind of made that choice that's how it's gonna be the rest of the game you know Sus- yeah you, you I, just brought up some go, go addy oh i was just gonna say i i played in norway last season and, and it's such a physical league and i swear the refs don't call pretty much anything and so I mean I literally just punched everything because I there was no guarantee that I wasn't just going to be like shoved into the goal right after you know (laughs) I was like but you know then I come here and we had Mm -hmm. one game and the ball comes in and I like try to punch it and I'm totally alone and I'm like like I know I'm like no one's hitting me. What's happening? So, um, yeah, you just got to make the adjustment and no, uh, go with it. But, but Addy, that's such a good point because the thing is, I think there's here's the psychological opponent, uh, your component of making an adjustment too. When And I've done this myself personally, and I've seen young goalkeepers do this to say, every time this happens now, I'm from now on going to do this. And like Omar just said right there, you know, it's like, or or you just said right there, you know, sometimes – your concept of what's going to happen might not actually be the reality, but because you told yourself that's what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you, 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 you're playing the game in your head as opposed to playing what's really in front of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, and, that's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and sometimes teams like Saskia, like you said, they come out and they play totally different than you thought they were going to play. I mean, I know in college we, we didn't do much video at all because teams didn't look the same as when they came and played us. Um, and so you can watch all the video you want of like a four, three, three, and them sitting in, and then all of a sudden they show up and they're playing something totally different. Three, four, three. Yeah. And so you right, because you're it out also watching them play against another team. So they're not right. playing against you. You're watching them play against another team and there might be, you know, they might see something different. They come out and they're like, find our weaknesses and play totally a different mm-hmm. line of totally different style and everything. So yeah, that's, you have to adjust them. You, and, and like, I know, I'm sure Anson's mentality and everything is they'll adjust to you. We want to adjust to them and it's Amanda's too, but I think mm-hmm. that you still have to look at what their game plan is and trying to break down your, and 
to your weakness. Maybe they see something that we hadn't seen and a weakness we hadn't seen in whether it's, you know, the goalkeeper or the defense and they're trying to exploit it. And now all of a sudden, you know, on the fly, you have to change, change how you're handling situations. Not yeah. necessarily. Right. Yeah. And sometimes if you say, this is how we're going to play out and they've decided you're not going to play that way, then it doesn't matter. You can't just keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, and sometimes teams will, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, plan. like, you know, I know what we're expecting from Oregon. It's not, it's quite mm-hmm. possible. That's not what they're going to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, so if we'll see, I'm not going to give it away. But. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not going to give the scouting report on the I'm going to get scouting uh, <laughs> like totally in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think for just for any any young goalkeepers or like just anybody who's listening who is a young goalkeeper understand like overcorrections are a part of the game that's how you figure yourself out that's how you figure how you are are you composed in those like final minutes Um, I know I wasn't there were times where I was there were times where I wasn't but as you know as you get older and you get more experience that overthinking shouldn't just go as just overthinking you need to be aware of okay right now i'm kind of mm. overthinking what can i do to make sure that the next time this this comes up i stay composed so i'm sure again we can all attest to this is just finding ways when you are going through those rough moments or those like moments where your mind is like hey self-fulfilling prophecy the next situation is probably going to go through your hands because the last situation happened like that too so find ways to combat those voices or just work with those voices to actually like get in, in a progressive state yeah yeah I- um, I think, go ahead. sorry. No, go ahead. I go think ahead. I've, it's your show. Oh, it's my show. And I'm having trouble talking. No. Yeah. Um, I also think there are times in the game uh, where I will do something that's actually correct, but I didn't get enough pace on the ball or um, it's something, it's a little bit off. It's not quite right. Um, and I start thinking, oh, that was so bad. I need to fix that. And so I start thinking about fixing things that don't really need to be fixed. And then, um, you watch the video back and you're like, Oh, like none of that stuff was real. It was all going on in my head. Like (laughs) that pass was fine. (laughs) That everything was fine. Um, and so I think, you know, at least this going into this season, it's sort of one of my goals is to just focus on the things that are clearly wrong and fix those. And then just the rest of the stuff, if the pass is okay, it's okay. Like it doesn't need to be perfect every time. So but that's yeah, experience. I mean, if you want to make yeah. it as simplistic as possible for the younger goalkeepers out there, it's like, if you shank a goal kick, you know, mm-hmm. like don't, don't all of a sudden start stressing out, you know, <laughs> like, like, cause then you're going to, then you're really going to screw up every single one after that. Just calm down, go back to the basics. How often does that happen? And just go through your motions and take the next one. You know, if you're going long or short, or if you, you mess up, you know, a pass out to your back, just go to the next one. Like, cause it, self, like you're saying, self-fulfilling prophecy, if you're in your head about it, you probably are going to screw up the next one. Just let it go. <laughs> trust, trust in your basic skills that you've been doing every day in practice and just mm-hmm. do it again. Um, Addy, I want to bring up some of your clips right here because I think you did a Ooh, fantastic job of uh, putting some, <laughs> some of these together right here. Go ahead, Omar. Just have one more question, and again for <laughs> sure. everybody, and, and for for Saska, I'll ask you as a coach, and then Adelaide, I'll ask you as a player. Has there, if, if a coach came up to you and like put, you know, different scenarios, like we talk about in the NFL, it's like you know, fourth and whatever, you train it and say, hey, in this situation, are we going to call a timeout? Or are we going to let it play out? We so do that, that in that situation, time. yeah, you know. So for yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Adelaide, for you, if a coach came up to you and said, okay, you know, we're going to serve some balls in uh, five minutes ago, 
you just dropped the ball. Okay, what's what are you what are you going to do in this situation? Or uh, you know, 94th, 93rd minute, whatever the case may be, and we're up one zero, and everybody's coming forward, flood, flooding forward. They put all you know a bunch of traffic mm-hmm. in there for you. So, I mean, do you guys do that often, or do you, we do, do that you think pretty coaches- much every week? So like, especially now that we're in season, like we, the team wise, it, we, it's all situational man up, man down, up one goal, um, 10 minutes left to go. Like, you know, uh, and everything like, um, you know, down two goals, whatever, like there's always scenarios and that trickles through the whole team. That's what I mean. by gamesmanship, like how are we, are we going to play this game? If we're up, up a goal, five minutes left to go, like, what are my goalkeepers going to do when they get the ball? you know, you know, are one possess, right? So that doesn't mean every ball goes long because technically it's a 50, 50 ball, right? A lot of them. So, you know, we absolutely train that because that's reality. We do as well. Um, I think a lot is also situational in terms of like, you know, focusing on building out or focusing on going to goal. Um, it drives me crazy when my team can't kill a game, it's like we're up one nothing and it's five minutes left and we're shooting. I'm like, just Absolutely. take it to the corner or keep possession or whatever. And for some reason, that is really, really, really hard for teams <laughs> to understand. And I don't know if it's the moment. And I, I think that's um, what's difficult, too, about those scenarios. Um, and I think it's important to train. Yeah. What do we do? But there's that emotional component to it. It's kind of like training PKs you can train taking a PK all the time, but you know, when the pressure's on you, that's a totally different situation. And I think recognizing, okay, we're a man down. We got to slow things down is important. Um, but just when, when you get scored on and keeping the same mentality, um, that's something that I almost feel like you can only train in by playing a ton of games. Um, I think it's really, really hard to get, get that pressure in training. Yeah. And you'll see it. Like, I mean, there've been times like, you know, even for the goal. Okay. So you're, you know, you're a goal up and there's less than five minutes left to go in the game and you're running to get the ball that just went over the end line to take a goal kick. Like what the hell are you doing? Take a stroll, you know? And so, but if you're in the emotion of the game and so that somebody's got to yell at you and, and that's why to train it, your captain turns around and yells at you. Somebody else on the team, Hey, you know, so-and-so slow down, slow down, you know, or then I do, <laughs> you know, or then the coach does. But, you know, I agree with you. You you see it, and it goes from the goalkeeper all the way up to the forwards. They get caught up in the emotion of the game and that intensity. And now instead of the forward taking it to the corner flag, they're going to goal. I want to bring this up. I want to bring this up now but just because I, I just love – I mean, first off, Addy, you stayed up all night putting all these together. So, uh, so we, we want to I really did it. I was surprised you liked them. I literally worked from the clips that we had that I we had from the game. So some of them like are obviously paired and then some of them maybe take some more explaining, but the first no. one's pretty obvious. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let, let's break this down right here. Obviously this is mm-hmm. in the 49th minute. Apparently it's a ball over the top, right? It's like, it goes off somebody's head and in, in, into, mm-hmm. into like a through ball situation up over the top. Boom. You're coming, you're high. You're now you're dropping back. You stay a little high and you unfortunately get caught right there. Um, and they celebrate, which is, uh, which is, <laughs> which is obviously. Why uh, are we showing this? <laughs> no, because it's a, the episode's adjustments. Okay. I'm now kidding. we're showing. Okay. So, so Addy, do you kind of want to break down, kind of break, break down, <laughs> kind of break down yeah, what so, happened here? Okay. I mean, we've the, the back. Ever come on that has put a clip on of, of 
She sent it. She sent it. No, I'm just saying, I have a lot of respect for that. I think that's awesome. Okay. I think it's awesome. I know. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's a teaching moment. Adjustments. And yeah, you know, yeah, we we play three at the back. Um, Part of that is I I play pretty high and I just get caught hauling butt back to the goal and don't get set, don't slow down. Like right when she's about to shoot, I don't feel like I'm in position. well, they're kind of, but it's too late. I'm moving so fast. And then my feet just don't get in the ground to, to push off and go back the other way. Um, Really. I needed to stop sooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just slow down a bit earlier, even though I'm not on my ball line and just, you know, deal with it. Um, and I mean, that was pretty immediately obvious to me after the fact, you know, when you talk about in a game, you're like, okay, I did that wrong. I need to not do it wrong again. Um, and then it actually did happen, uh, like later on in the game. So, yeah, yeah so that's I mean, I don't, want, I don't, I think the retreating is fine because sometimes I just had this conversation today with one of our goalkeepers that sometimes it gives your, it gives your D a time to recover. Right. So mm-hmm. you, by you retreating, they're not ending up in no man's end. And if you had gotten set earlier and that's a say, that's a, you know, that's a save. Um, and if she realizes you're in position and she can't take another touch because you've given your defense time to recover, let's see the adjustment. <laughs> and it's funny because in my head, I'm thinking as this play is happening, I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. And I still think if I slowed down a half second earlier, like I would have held on to this ball, but uh, it ends up being a save. So it's better. So, so let's, let's look at this analysis and here's the adjustment, Addy, basically what happens is a similar situation. It's a through ball, this 82nd minute, it's a through ball coming across your, your high again, like you were saying, <laughs> this time you take your time, you set, and now it's a great steer away right there. Um, it, it's almost like, while you saw this play developing, you're like, oh, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know how to, how to decelerate a little bit as she makes that touch right there. You're still slightly out of position. But once she takes that second touch, you're already kind of set, ready to go. She strikes, and it's a steer like this that. Is, uh, this is making me you know, re- rethink my sessions on in possession and out of possession. I think the next session I have, I'm going to have my goalkeeper start at the bottom of the circle and then just sprint back and see uh-huh. if we can <laughs> – I don't know, Adelaide. Is, is that like no, – I, I, you know, it's a high position. It's funny because I, I say that all the time. There's not a ton of like, yes, there are goalkeeper drills that are done where you just step backwards and then have to dive forward. But the reality is, I feel like in play, you're almost always backing up, backpedaling, mm-hmm. crossover, sprinting. I mean, especially on our team, because we do play so high. I mean, there have been times where I just turn around and sprint back to my goal, like full out. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's the and, we, and it's funny because um, we don't they don't film all of our goalkeeper sessions. But after this, we did do um, a drill where we sort of started at the 18 and then you have to recover back to the goal, almost exactly the same scenario just to, to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Omar, we, we, we train, cause I agree with you there. If you think about like, as growing up in our goalkeeper training and everything, how many times did we do drills when we were younger, where you had to backtrack and then stuff, but it's the reality of the position more than anything now, because of how much the, the keepers used and implemented through possession. And so that pulls you up and out higher and so uh, we do function when we're doing functional training and um we'll do it where whether you're you're starting with some sort of a service um and then it's an instant counter and you've got to retreat and part of that and i've discussed it part of retreating is still understanding where you are 
like using your peripheral, understanding the lines on the field, understanding how deep you are or how deep you're not. Cause sometimes kids get totally confused and lost. They, they haven't backed up enough, then they stop, then they're in no man's land, right? So did you go back enough? If you can't get back, sometimes you have to make decisions just to stay and go forward. So you gotta figure that out. It has to be trained. It has to. Yeah. Steve, uh, Steve Clark from the, the Timbers, when I, I did like an IG live with him and he mentioned that he's like, Memo, our goalkeeper coach, he's like, there's one thing that we do more than I don't think anybody else does is moving backwards and then uh, diving out of that uh, rever- mm-hmm. recovery movement backwards. So exactly what Adelaide is talking in the situation, it's like that cross step to the angle or literally just cross step down the middle and then turning and then diving. And I think you said, we don't train that enough. And I think, yeah, we talked about with in possession, out of possession, the way that the, the goalkeeper is asked to be involved with, with starting the attack. A lot of times, if you're asked to do that, you're going to lose it. With Burhalter too, I mean, I'm sure Zach Steffen probably does this often, too, with the national team training, is that he gets caught in possession or something like that, and he has to recover back to his line, and he has to focus on actually seeing the ball, recovering, setting, all those things in one. come forward. Exactly. Because with that motion, like, you don't know if you're recovering and then there's another pass in there. What if they send another through ball? Now you're recovering. You have to be able in that recovery motion to change direction, come forward again, maybe come forward and sprint and go for a 50, 50 ball or something. So yeah. it's, yeah, it has to and, be, it's, it's what you do more than anything. Yeah. And I would say Adelaide for you in those situations, is that like something, like you said, you guys started doing it a little bit more from the 18, but yeah, that's like the recovery aspect of it, but how like, like zoned in, have you gotten on that? Okay. I'm recovering and I got to make sure that that last movement into my, into my save needs to be something that I've like functionally trained over and over and over so that it's not an unfamiliar feeling. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, we worked on it that week after it happened, um, but it probably should be something that we work on on more often. I definitely feel in the games, um, the way we build out, I end up almost being like another center back. So um, I definitely feel in the games that that is the movement that I repeat over and over and over and over again, sprint back, like get that awareness into the goal and then hopefully be able to make a save. I would say that happens like 10 times a game, probably Jeez. not a full out breakaway, but just even if the defender gets there and, and closes them down, you're still trying not to get too far past your, your near post as well. Yeah. Cause um, mm. that's easy as well. You slow down and you get set and then you're just still moving that way a little bit. Yeah. So it's definitely something that, that happens a lot. And I think I mean, you brought up a good thing in the first clip was that, knowing when, even though you didn't make it back to your ball line, you still had Mm -hmm. to set. And I think that in that recovery motion, that sprint, that everything, younger goalkeepers, you know, I mean, like club can get caught into, I got, it's the same thing as doing any drill. I got to do, I got to get to my ball line. And no, you have to see when the ball is going to strike. And and like, I always say, you know, better be set and set and, and out of position than moving. So you know, better to be off your ball line and set than, than oh, but I got to get here. And the ball went there. So, and that's hard Absolutely. to flip that from the recovery into that to say, oh, I got to stop anyway because they're about to strike the ball. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even get fully set. It's almost like on a three goal situation when you're getting across the goal, 
you're not going to be set, but you need to not be just flying in one direction, yeah. you know, just kind of like slow down enough where you can go back the other way yeah. um, if you I, need to. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. I do make them train that. Just go. Addy, Addy, you just brought some just really go. good before. Yeah. Just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, it is fun. Like, just go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if they're all the way back post, yeah. I mean, you just got to. Yeah. I, I do want to bring this up because uh, you brought up a really good point before we go to this next clip right there is that minimal adjustments is really the key right here and the specificity of your adjustments too. Um, I think the biggest mistake, and, and, and we, we've talked about this, you know, over and over again on, on the podcast is that younger goalkeepers, when they think adjustment, they think a complete re revamping of the movement they just made or the tactical decision they just made, as opposed to just a slight alteration. Yeah. And a, a, a lot of times I think in the, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe it was a rhetorical question. Saying. I don't know. Maybe I answered it myself. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Well, I also think like in the, in the next clip, um, we, we were playing on grass for the first time and it was like wet and everything was tending to die on the field. Um, and so I think part of the adjustment was, although I just think it was a bad, maybe a bad decision on the first one. Um, I get away with it, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's once, think, why don't you break it? Why don't you okay. break it down for everybody right here? So let's, let's, uh, walk yeah. So this here. ball, this is a long ball coming through. Um, and I get caught in no man's land, um, kind of assuming that she'd take another touch or that the ball would die. Um, and in the moment I was like, Oh, I'm not out. I'm not back. Shoot. But a different word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, she ends up hitting it wide. And then later on the game, I was like, okay, obviously, if that happens again, just stay in your goal. Like, there's no need to get out there. Dude, so I'm here crazy. we see this. So, I gotta go turn so, the heat on. Hold on. So here Keep we see going, the adjustment. <laughs> well, it's yeah. raining in LA. It's raining. That's that one, that three days of rain that we get, you know? Okay, I, I go quick. So everybody who's who's listening, these are certain, these are balls that are getting played over <laughs> the top of the defense, probably from like 40, 40 yards out and right on the 18. And then you're getting caught now in between coming and then coming and, and, uh, and closing on the ball. So getting caught in between those two. In the first clip, in the second, in this clip, she she realized that and held. Yeah. And like, it's funny because in the game, like I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should just go take her and the ball. <laughs> but then in my head, it's like, no, no, it's going to be fine. Just stay. Um, and I think it was because of the last clip. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, those are, those are the balls, the balls of death guys. Those are the oh ones where gosh, it's like, yeah. do I come, do I stay? <laughs> and then right there that like that discipline to be like, no, I'm going to stay back. And again, we talk about it, it comes through uh, the strengths, the physical strengths and the the experiences that we've seen. And if I, you know, for example, Zach Steffen, I have a clip of him against uh, I forgot who in New York, I think. And he stays on his line, hugs his line with the ball coming through traffic and last second digs it out with his bottom left hand. I think if I had, you know, uh, Begovic or somebody who's like six foot five, six foot six, I'd say, hey, probably come out and, you know, cause some commotion. But for somebody who's at his size, six, two, six, three, and extremely, extremely quick, I'd say, yeah, stay on your line and play to your advantage. So I think, again, it, it comes down to uh, who you are as a goalkeeper and then not, not over adjusting based off of a, a scenario that just happened. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a really good point right there. Um, what I, what I want to say in regards to, in regards to that too, is that I think one thing we need to bring up too, as well is for a lot of young goalkeepers that are listening to this right now is that you were talking about just shanking the goal kick and everything and everything like that, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I mishit this goal kick. Okay. Well now I have to change everything because I just mishit this goal kick. Like, or you just start thinking about it and stressing mm -hmm. yourself you out over and you stress yourself out. So, you know, so mm -hmm. how much of, or your coach, 
basically, because this happens with a lot of young goalkeeper coaches, Omar, I'm sure you can attest to this, is they think they have to say something at halftime because their coach is looking at them. He's like, well, you got, I'm giving instruction. You got to give instruction, mm-hmm. right? You know? So like, you know, isn't that, that's a situation obviously that you, you've been in, in before. And Addy, have you obviously as a pro player, obviously you Suski as, as a pro player, or you, you know, Omar as, as a coach, you know, kind of been like, oh boy, I shouldn't have said anything or Addy or like, oh boy, he shouldn't have said anything to me or she shouldn't have said anything to me. Um, it's tough. Cause it kind of depends on what your mentality at the time is. You know, if you're like in a, a strong mentality, it's like nothing. Um, if you're kind of very vulnerable, it could be not the best. But for me personally, I appreciate like a pretty direct approach. Obviously not like terribly demeaning or if it's obvious that I've messed up repeating, it's not great. But um, I think for me, direct is better because I prefer to know that my coach, if they're unhappy, is going to say something versus just not saying anything <laughs> and thinking it, you know, so um, I think it probably depends on the goalkeeper. I think I, I for me, the, oh, the only time during the flow of game is if you consistently are doing the same thing wrong. Like I'll usually let you adjust it or something like that. And like, but if you're consistently making the same mistake, if it's like something like within the flow of the game, like you you keep giving the same ball like to to a back on distribution and they keep getting their ass kicked and stuff like that. Like stop doing it. Stop doing like how many times are you going to do it? Then I'll get up and I'll be like, what are you doing? Stop doing it. I wait till halftime. And I like if there's a goal, if there's a breakdown, I'll we'll talk about it. I'm usually pretty kind of just like, cause I know my keepers know what they did wrong. Like, so it's not like a reteaching like major moment. It's something, you know, we'll address in the week during training. Yeah. Okay. But what was the adjustment? And we'll talk about it that, you know, you need to make. Okay, cool. You get it. You know what you did wrong. You know, the adjustment, if it happens again. All right. You know, so that's probably the extent of it. Yeah. And, and then yeah. the only other coaching really for me at halftime will be like, if I keep seeing something like they keep, just keep look for, they're looking to shoot, chip you over the top. They're looking to this, just keep an eye on it or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, even, uh, you know, I talked to Ian Foyer, I mean, before COVID started and I, I asked him a question, I said, Hey, what did you do to, you know, you step into the national team uh, uh, sessions with like Tim Howard and Sean Johnson, all those guys, what did you do to gain their respect? And that was a kind of a loaded question. Cause I think, you know, as a coach, you don't really try to gain someone's respect. You just kind of do what you do. And then if they respect it, they respect it. And hopefully they do. That's why you're there. But he said like, Tim Howard respected me because I actually wanted to coach him. I actually came to every session and I wanted to give him like ideas of how to get better. Mm -hmm. And someone like that respects you and understands that you're extending the olive branch of like knowledge. And he, he responded well to that. And so I, as a young coach took that, not out of context, but I heard that and I go, okay. So that means you got to make, you know, points to goalkeepers at all moments at all times. (laughs) And so like, I remember like I had a session and I was like, I was coaching this guy and a really good goalkeeper. And I would like make a correction here, make a correction there, make a correction there. And I could tell like after like my fifth or sixth correction, he kind of looked at me like, bro, just let me get three or four reps before you start commenting. <laughs> and but that 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 again, that as a player as well. And as a coach, you have to be willing to 
okay, pick up on signs of how people are reacting to the way you're saying things. Mm -hmm. If somebody mm -hmm. is uh, uh, somebody who's, you know, full of, uh, full of confidence knows that that was just an error that didn't, you know, just not a part of them. And, you know, they're, they're moving on from it. You come in at halftime and go, I need to say something so inspirational, which is what I've done. So inspirational <laughs> that what I say here is going to propel this person to the next <laughs> half. And they're going to make this amazing save. They're going to look up, they're going to point at me and say that halftime speech is what I needed, coach. Thank you. <laughs> And I, I swear, I, I used to think like that, you know, like I, I'm watching the miracle and I'm watching this coach give this halftime speech. And I'm like, man, I got to do that every single game. What and goalkeeper then again, you coach have you ever seen do this ever? No, one, no one. But that's what I'm saying. You, as a coach, you, you some and a player, I guess as well, like you take things out of context and sometimes you go into games and that is what you've built your whole mentality on is that piece of information that you didn't do much more digging on. You just took it and ran. So I think again, as, as a coach and as a player, making sure that like you're aware of there are times where you're going to make, <laughs> make mistakes and experiment with things you're going to make mistakes on. Just make sure you don't make the same mistake twice like me. So Saskia, you realize, remember how you always talk about kids being too literal? Uh -huh. there's, an, there's an example right there of a coach being yeah. taking something too literal. Like, Ian, if Ian's I, listening to this. I actually do that in practice. Like, I'll be in practice and I'll be, like, depending on the, I'm just like, I'm walking, I'm not, I'm not going to coach you. Like, especially, I think, let's say we're ending something with some sort of shooting, like some something with the four, like, and it's like power finesse or it's something, you know team trained, um, which as a UNC player, you know what that is. And, and um, there's no coaching needed in that moment. Like, you know, this is, this is a over shot over, over, over again, you know, what, whatever it is, I, I'm not going to sit here and coach you. I'm going to step back and get through the drill. And then we'll talk about it. If you kept making the same mistake, if you're, if you're on your heels or something like and you keep getting caught on your heels, I might be like, you know, you know, e, you know, body weight forward, that might be the only thing I might say. But there are times in practice even that you just, you step back and just let, let it happen. And then water break, talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so true. Like as a player, you know, you love to just play or just do the drill or, you know, you might like want a few coaching points, but, you know, even from a team perspective, you don't want the coach to be just coaching the whole time. It's like playing is great. And <laughs> I know that from a player's perspective, but then like you switch over and I, you know, I've done a lot of goalkeeper coaching and stuff and it's so hard. It's so hard. Oh my gosh. Or, or you think I should be coaching more or, or whatever it is. And it, it's just so funny how there's such a difference. I know as a player, they don't need me to be talking. And as a coach, <laughs> you're like, I have to say something. It's really hard. No, it is hard because I'll sit there and then I'll be standing next to like Jane or Sam or somebody. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> and they'll just look at me and my head will be down. And I want to say, so I'll just be like, let them, let them figure it out. Because part of me will just say, let, let, let's see if they'll make the body adjustment that I would tell them right now, trying to speak to them from afar and see if they somehow hear me. But um, let's see if you can make the adjustment on yourself, on your own. Let's see. Let's see. Especially in a drill, like, like a shooting drill or something. And if you don't, then we're going to talk about it. I was waiting for you to make this adjustment. You never did. Um, but some, you got to let them figure it out. Yeah. And Addy, I think you have to honestly, like you have to start recognizing as a, as a, as a player yourself, <laughs> you have to start recognizing a theme, you know, and be honest with yourself. Like, okay, was this just a freak incident or is this a theme? How many times? And in your opinion, like, I mean, there is no miracle number, you know, but it's just kind of a, a, a sensation. You start recognizing, oh my gosh, this is happening to me every time. Yeah, what's going so, on? So mm -hmm. is it me? It's got to be me if it's happening every time, right? 
Yeah. And I think, um, I think that happens a lot in possession in the build out. Um, the most is when you, you realize this isn't working. Why isn't it working? This isn't working. Why isn't it working? But, you know, especially if you're under pressure, you revert back to what you're most comfortable with. Um, and so I think you have to actively recognize, okay, well, this is what I have to do the, or try to do the next time I get the ball. And a lot of times in possession, especially if they're high pressing, uh, it's hard to sort of lean into the pressure a little bit um, and know that the option is going to be somewhere else, even though you feel like you're getting cut off. So um, yeah, I definitely think recognizing in a game, especially, I think that's important as a team recognizing, okay, what's their trigger to press, you know, where, which way are they pressing, you know, where do they want us to play the ball? Um, because a lot of times you will find the open player and it's not working because that's what they want you to do. <laughs> you're, playing the they want you to play. you're playing into their game, their, their, their scheme right there. You're playing into, all right, we're going to let them see this open player because we're sitting there waiting. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Then press and everything. Don't keep doing it. Realize that that's what they're doing. They're baiting you. And, and again, uh, that goes back to uh, even like an in, in inner squad scrimmage watching that happen and I'm like okay how many times is she gonna keep doing this like how many times is she gonna keep doing this and like sometimes we'll just go sit up in the stadium stuff so we so I'm not cut like coaching and then like we'll have a break but are you making the adjustment like you said is it a theme or did mm -hmm. you just make one mistake mm -hmm. are you not recognizing that you know she's baiting you. Are you not recognizing that Raylan is letting you play the ball out wide and every time you do it and then they press, you get the ball back. She's, she's stripping you of the ball. Like mm. that's what they're doing, but don't keep yeah. doing it, you know? And yeah. there it takes, you have to have the ability to, to see more than just, there they are, the dogs. <laughs> like so focused, you know? It's, like it's funny. one thing that you want to do, you have to see the whole field. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny you brought up pressing. Oh, Omar, did you do you want to go before I before I bring uh, this up right here? No, I just uh, one last thing I'll say before we get okay. into this part. I think okay. uh, from the coach's <laughs> side, from the co sorry before we get into that, it's on my head, so I've been thinking about it. But I think on the coach's side as well, I think uh, like what my like the Galaxy coach that I had way back in the day, he would dissect things so deep that we understood that when when we made this mistake, we knew how to pick the pieces back up. Um, for example, when it came to goal kicks, so we talk about shanking a goal kick. He would always say, get back to the basics, which for us was just head down, strike through the ball. And he'd always say, you can admire it once it's gone and hit your target. But you mm -hmm. trying to look at it the entire time is going to throw your shoulders off. And you have it sometimes an automatic and sometimes you don't. And when you don't, this is what you need to do. So I think as coaches as well, we can do a better job. Um, I, I, I say me, I could do a better job of instead of giving those moments of, uh, you know, hey, you should have made that save or you should have done this. Give it more substance of like, I mean, I had a conversation with a young kid who gets in his own head last week and I told him like, hey, you know, when we shift from one side of the goal to the other side, I want you to understand that you're getting too crazy right now. Your mind's going a little too crazy. Mm. Calm yourself down, build the fundamentals, build the, the foundation now so that when you're in a game and you made a bad pass or they scored a goal on you or you, you caught a ball out of bounds and it turned into a corner kick, I'm not saying he did that, but if you do that, you know how to react. And he was like, Oh, thanks, Coach. I don't know if he actually did it. I, I mean, the rest of the, the rest, the rest, the rest of the session, he was off I his love rocker. Your stories, Omar. But, but I think, but, but I think that I think as coaches, we we could do a better job, and as players as well, to understand why am I doing this? If I do know, if I do know why, and in a game, all things fail. Now I can build everything back up from score one, and I think that should be the message. I think for people when you're trying to make those in in game adjustments. Yeah. 
Um, all right, I want I want to bring this up right now because we were talking about high pressing. Wait, one, one more thing, uh, one more thing. Oh, oh dear God, I'm yeah. kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you <laughs> said, oh dear God. <laughs> um, all right, Addy, let's uh, let let's walk through this real quick. So we were talking about examples of you know doing something over and over again and wondering like why mm -hmm. is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Here's an example of you making an adjustment and recognizing kind of basically. And Omar, after we play this, you can either do the play by play or Addy can because she was the actual mm -hmm. one who, who went through this right here. But basically. Again, they're high pressing. You're recognizing pressure. So you go square there. It's not a horrible ball or whatever. But then after that, we'll go to the next play right here. Yeah. Ball played. Now they're chasing. They're high pressing. High pressing, you're recognizing. And instead of going square this time, you recognize the open player here, turn and spin. And now we've got a counter play right there. Mm -hmm. You know, because they didn't see that coming because before you every single time you'd been going square every time, uh, time and time and time and again. Yeah, that was like a perfect example of they, you know, basically wanted you wanted us to play um, out wide to that fullback. And um, it, it was tough because they were starting central in order to push us wide. But there were definitely moments like here they're caught a little bit wide and it's just open um, in there. But yeah, but prior to this, I had played my right back quite a few times and I was like, it's not, not what I want. <laughs> Are they wearing long pants? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so right here, is it, is it, because... I, mean, I know that was totally out of like, you know, sorry, yeah. my focus. No, to be fair, that was a cold week um, in Denmark and, but hey. they're wearing shorts. I just want to point that out. They're wearing pants. <laughs> I was just like, hmm. and then I was remembering where you were playing. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, there was a couple <laughs> of weeks that were cold, man. Uh -huh. But uh, Omar, do you want to do it? Do you want to do a play-by-play -play of uh of this, or or we do pretty pretty self-explanatory nah, right here? It's pretty self-explanatory. Just yeah. you know, okay. play play what play what the game gives you, and it looked like you know you played it short once, and then the other time around you realize okay, if they're overloading that side, maybe I go the other way, and you can see here mm -hmm. exactly. I don't know what that number is, but uh, the striker was taking away that that ball, and you realize okay. Uh, there's an uneven amount of people on that side. Let's go back the other way. So I think that's again yeah. playing what you like, play what you see. Yeah. Three v one out on this side. Or yeah. Four v two, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> by the way, uh, Addy, we'll we'll start wrapping up soon because I know you've got a you you you've <laughs> got to head to bed because you've got a seven a.m. training and you're only like thirteen hours ahead of us or something insane like that. So <laughs> yeah, such a time difference. Um. I, I want to talk a little bit about about this point before we uh, before we kind of wrap up and everything, and that is kind of the the fear that a lot of young goalkeepers have in making an adjustment because change is scary. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like especially young kids, they even if something's not working, they're scared to try something new because they've never done it before. You know, so um, you know, like what advice do you give to like any 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 young goalkeepers who who might be like, I don't, I've never done this before, I don't want to try it, and I'm scared to do it in a game. Yeah. I mean, I really like the, the toolbox analogy. I think, you know, we get caught up a lot in terms of, you know, oh, this is the right way to save the ball or that's the right way to save this kind of play. Um, and I think you might as well have as many tools as you possibly can, and then you can pick the right one in the right circumstance. So to say, oh, you know, I, I don't save breakaways this way, you know, is, you know, silly because what if you need it, you know? Um, and I think, especially when you're young, I mean, I'm, getting old now, but especially when you're young, you might as well try something new because you'll figure out what you like best. I mean, that's life, right? Just do as much stuff as you can and, and see which, what you like best. Um, and so 
Uh, I think, especially when you're younger, I think everything feels like it's super, super important in the moment. But if you're thinking of your career as being long, uh, you might as well learn something new now and then you'll have it for the future. And honestly, the biggest thing I can say is that if a coach tries to teach you something new, just try it. And you don't have to do it in the game. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you get to decide what you do when the, the moment comes to save the ball. You do what you think is right. But um, yeah, it's always good to learn something new. So you don't necessarily have to think of it as, oh, I'm changing. It's like, well, I'm just trying something different. And if it doesn't work, I can go back to what I was doing before. You can always go back. So um, I think maybe that'll take the pressure off a little bit. I love the fact that you just said you can always you can always go back because I think that's that's where I think a lot of the fear comes from from kids is that they go, oh, I can never go back to doing what I was doing before because coach told me to do it this well, way. Well, sometimes so they shouldn't. She's really nice, guys. I promise she's really nice. Sometimes they shouldn't. I just had to say that. Yeah, we, we got to get Lauren on the show, dude. We got to see what's, 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 what's really going on in session. I was, I was thinking about my little kids from the Bulls and stuff. I wasn't thinking about UCLA. Uh, but uh michael i'll make my last point but adelaide what you what you just said about the toolbox i think is very important i think within that toolbox you have to have the psychological toolbox as well and i think a lot of times there are high pressure moments that caught for me at least uh you know my my mind goes crazy what if this happens what if that happens and then i started realizing okay well that's happening how can i stay composed when that happens and it's always going to keep coming back because that's just the nature of our position and you know if we play at a high level we're going to cons consistently run into those situations. So underneath the physical capabilities and toolbox that you have as a goalkeeper, the psychological ones as well to stay composed in those high pressure moments, just so that you can actually stay composed, use that toolbox now, and then, you know, supplement it with the actual physical capability of a goalkeeper. So you can calm yourself down. And now you're actually making a rash or proper decisions, not a rash mm -hmm. uh, decision. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are multiple solutions to, to every problem. And so, you know, it's, you know, if you have different answers, um, you don't, the, the situation is going to, you know, force one of them out of you. But if you have multiple answers in your toolbox, that's, that's better because yeah. you don't know that it, it could be, it could be the craziest thing or something. Everything's different. Everything's crazy. The sport's crazy. You don't know how the ball's going to bounce. You don't know this. You don't know that. But not everything's done one way. And um, what I meant by by sometimes they shouldn't. And sometimes you shouldn't. Sometimes if you have a really bad habit, your coach is trying to get you to stop that bad habit. And that that's something that should be left out of your toolbox, you know, and move on. But but that lies on coaches to really explain why they're doing what they're doing, why they're changing habits, why they're um, like making those adjustments exactly. so that the player truly understands and buys into, okay, I shouldn't be on my heels every time, or I shouldn't be this far near post every time. And, and, and why, or I shouldn't always be on my line. Like you, as a coach, you got to explain it so that they, yeah. they understand and they want exactly. to change, you know? Yeah. Right. And like, you know, if you play out of the back, you don't want to be, it, want it to be because you can't hit a long ball. Right. So it's like, <laughs> You know, it's that's true. And I saw that against one of the teams we played. I was like, mm -hmm. guys, they keep playing that short because you can't hit a goal kick. 
And I realized, and Shikane and Longbaugh, and I realized that like two minutes in when one of their players took a goal kick. I'm like, we are in Division One college right now. What if she was having, sorry, what if she was having a, ham, a, a, a hamstring, a hamstring issue, a quad issue, a groin issue? She could have had any of those three Good. things. And now and you're, now, now you're, gonna, now you're. <laughs> we are going to exploit it. I'm not talking about my team. I'm like, get her the ball. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren, if you ever need any help or any no, psychological Lauren, help, just call me, all right? <laughs> I kid almost had an assist the other day. I feel we, we had, we had a, I remember we had the courage, all three or four of their goalkeepers, three of their goalkeepers on at once. And I feel like after, after Sask leaves and, and you know, she doesn't, she's not on one episode, we're going to bring all them in and just have like a full on, like, just, Hey guys, what really goes down at trainings? Is Sask, is she a sweetheart? What's, what's going on? Is she throwing, I am. Bob, Bob Knight throwing chairs. Like what's going on over here? I <laughs> am that's a sweetheart. I don't know what I don't know what the NCAA uh, rules are on that stuff, but like that would be a pretty darn fun episode. I'm I'll tell you, I yelled once. Once I got really irritated because they were making the same mistake over and over and over again, and I cursed and yelled, and I thought the whole team was gonna fall over. They were like, "Did that just come out of Coach Saskia?" And I, I don't think it, I was like, "I can get mad every once in a while." Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, oh it's worse when the coach never gets mad and then they yell. You're like, you like, yeah. shit. Oh, then it's serious. <laughs> it's serious. That's right. Serious. That right. or just having a bad morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Addy, thanks, thanks for staying up late for us uh, over there. Honestly, this is this has been really fantastic, and uh, you know, I mean, it's really awesome when we see you know high level professionals such as yourselves that that are that are willing to be honestly humble and and honest and open enough to you know show you know plays that maybe didn't go the way you wanted them to go, you know, on the air, because I think it's, it is a valuable education tool from, for kids. I mean, it, we always talk about it on social media, you know, Omar, you know, it's, it's great to see wonderful saves and stuff like that, but you know, it's, a, it's also a valuable lesson to, to understand the why of why things worked and why things didn't work, you know, so. Yeah. And I think are you still, is your family still in Princeton? Um, no, actually they retired to North Carolina. Oh, I was going to say, well, shout out to our hometown, but whatever. I know. I miss <laughs> it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah um, tell them. Um, Addy, if anybody wants to connect with you, where's where's the best place for them to reach out? Um, uh, social media. My my name, Adelaide Gay, or Adelaide A. Gay, middle initial. Um, or email, adelaide.gay at gmail.com. <laughs> I always, you know, it's funny because people are like, oh, you're going to give out your email. I always give it out and nobody emails me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Mike that. Uh, yeah. I'll start right. getting lots of emails from him. All right. All right. And at that point, guys, uh, Omar Zini's email is, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> at Pro GK Academy underscore guys, if you want to reach out to Omar Zini at Saskia underscore Weber on all social media platforms contacted inside the 18 that's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms if you want to reach out to me directly at michael magid m-a-g-i-d that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later guys yeah.